Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Big Sills! National Football Show, welcome aboard. Merry Christmas here as we get ready for one of the greatest weeks of the season. I love this time of year. I do. Bowl games, football, food, friends. This is what it's about here, man. Fun time this week. Everybody gets to kind of bury a hatchet a little bit. I don't know so much so when it comes to our family. We sit around and we argue all day. That's a good day at the Cilios. Sitting around and arguing all day. Arguing over your favorite sports team. Over your favorite movie, what have you here, man. Really, it's a great time. We're just a couple days out now. And good afternoon to you too, Tyler. We appreciate everybody coming aboard here. And it's Cowboy Eagle Week. What more to be said? You know, you know, people always ask me, motivating players and motivating athletes, you don't have to motivate me for a game like this on Saturday. These are those self-motivating games. Okay? These are these... These are these games where I don't need a pep talk. Those are these games where you go, hey, I got a chance to be a star. How about Hassan Reddick? Hassan versus Michael Parsons. What if he outplays him? Has three sacks in the game, and Michael Parsons is a no-show. Doesn't he get to also start crowing a little bit like Michael Parsons was the other day? How about A.J. Brown barking? You think CD's better than me? Come on, man. I put that to sleep. How about Jalen Hurts? What a story this might be. He might play. He might not play. By the way, I'd be leaning more towards telling the Cowboys and everyone else out there that Jalen's more likely to play. Why would I want you preparing for a Gardner Minshew? You don't want to make that proclamation early in the week and say, Minshew's our guy. Make them have to prepare for both. Make them have to game plan for both. It's Get this, too. It's two different game plans. Minshew's a drop back. Jalen is a dual threat. Why not just go and make them have to prepare? I think it's brilliant. Mr. International, thank you on the jersey. John Tortorella gave me this. This Ranger jersey, and it was the uh, Winter Classic. And Torts gave me this, put my number on it, put my name on it for me when he was the head coach of the Rangers. So 
I've known John Tortorella since his time when he was with the Tampa Bay Lightning and they won a Stanley Cup. I'm a huge John Tortorella fan, and I hope he can turn the Flyers around. And by the way, I'm trying to work him for a Flyers uh, jersey too. Or more appropriately for you hockey fans, I'm trying to work towards for a Flyers sweater, <laughs> okay? I'm trying to get a sweater out of him. So hopefully we can get John. I'm trying to get John on too, by the way. So I appreciate everybody coming aboard here. Yeah, so Torch gave me this thing here. So I thought I would drop it this week here. So I got to ask you a question. Let's move on to the topics. By the way, Brad Sham, part of the broadcast team for the Dallas Cowboys, owns three Super Bowl rings. He's like the Merrill Reese of the Cowboys. And he'll join us at 4.30 Eastern time. Week 16 NFL, my coach of the year candidates. Also, we have, in my opinion, a storyline brewing here. Do you think the Philadelphia Eagles are manufacturing this drama to make this so that Jalen, you know, do you agree? Jalen Hurts has gotten more publicity this week for being hurt by the national guys than his actual play on the field. You know, Jeffrey Lurie is a Hollywood movie producer. I mean, you know, I know some of you, I shot you down right away. Silsy's playing. Has Jalen Hurts got more publicity these last few days when they announced that his shoulder was hurt than any time during the year outside of Philly, of course. Right? He's, he's, dude, every television show is talking about the matchup on Saturday on whether or not Hurts is going to go. But you know what it's also doing? It's putting a spotlight on his play. And it's putting a spotlight on, on what he's accomplished this year and how far he's come. I think it's actually pretty brilliant. If this guy plays, they laid this, they laid this yellow, yellow brick road out for him. To lead up to this game, you're gonna have a ton of eyes on this. I hey, look, if he plays. If he plays, sure, okay. I don't want him to play if it's significant. But boy, I'll tell you what, man. I watched a ton of shows today. All they talked about was Hertz's injury. And those same shows week previous, month previous, I never heard those guys starting out with Jalen Hurts. His injury has actually put his play into focus. The story of Hurts being hurt has actually helped him. And it may help his case for the MVP if he plays on Saturday. This is really turning out to be a nice story this week for us. Eagle fans, your guy's getting publicity. Being hurt. He's get. it shows you the disrespect that the team and the player have gotten all year when it took an injury for people to notice finally and go like this, the kid's playing great. The kid's playing great. 
We're also going to learn something else about the Eagles and the front office and the coaches. Let's go into the topics here. Appreciate everybody coming aboard. Nobody gets all your takes, I promise. Obviously, Super Bowl is the most important thing you can possibly have right now. The Eagles front office, the coaching staff, will make the call on Hurts. Who makes the call on Hurts is my question. Who makes the call? Howie or Nick or the owner? Who makes the call on this? Who protects the player? Remember something. Before you answer that question, how he's asked with Wentz was what? He didn't go back in that Seattle game. Right? Who makes the call? This is where we're going to find out about meddling. Howie Roseman should not be making the call here. Okay, he should not be. Howie pulls the strings, KC. And something as critical as this. Should it be the front office? Or should it be the head coach? Who should have the final say if Jalen plays on Saturday? Remember something. Got to say this to Howie. I said I thought it was a giant mistake not to play preseason games. They're the healthiest team in the NFL. He's been right on that also, and I've been wrong. Because you know what? It's two years now. It's two years that the Eagles have been relatively pretty healthy. Who should make the call on this? Nick or Howie? I thought about that. Howie's pulled all the right strings here, man. Or should it be the medical team? The problem that you get here is too many opinions. Someone's got to be the guy who makes the final decision. Who makes the final decision on whether or not he plays? And I don't believe Jalen Hurts should have a, have a say in this. Because Jalen Hurts' ability during games to take off running are his decision And we're in this position because of the position that the offensive coaches put the quarterback in. Jalen's going to want to play. Because Jalen wants to run when he doesn't see the offensive pass plays open. He can't be involved in the decision-making in this. Jalen Hurts cannot be involved. He cannot be involved in this. Who should make the call? I think the medical people should give their opinions on where he is and what the damage could be. Because I'm going to tell you this, guys. The Dallas Cowboys are going to run and they're going to run and they're going to run at Jalen Hurts and they're going to bang that guy because guess why? They may see that guy in the playoffs again. Hey, you may lose this game to the Eagles if you're the Cowboys, 
But you know what you may also do? You may do some more damage to Jalen Hurts for that next game in the playoffs, the game that really matters. I think the Cowboys have come to the realization they're not winning the NFC East. But if Jalen Hurts plays, and if I were the Cowboys, I hope he plays. Because I'm going to hit him when he takes off running. I'm going to hit him late, and I'm going to hit him cheap, and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that third game, that guy is not going to be healthy. So all of you that want Jalen to play, okay, great. I think the Dallas Cowboys have a game plan of roughing that guy up. The scoreboard? What does that do for Dallas? They've got a micro chance of winning the NFC East. A micro chance. I would go after Jalen Hurts as much as I possibly could. I would hurt that guy. Seals, that's not taking cheese shops. Welcome to the league, guys. Any chance you get at a wounded animal, you try taking that guy out. Joseph, Big Seals, your question proposes that the medical staff isn't making the call if Jalen plays. I think they're giving, Joseph, I think they're giving their opinion. I don't think medical staffs at all tell a player, unless it's a concussion, because once you're in concussion protocol, okay, that's a league format that you have to go through and procedures you have to go through to get cleared. If we're talking about a guy with a shoulder and you can play in pain, they're going to make a suggestion and they're going to make a recommendation, but it's going to come down to the coach, probably the general manager's decision on who plays or not. The biggest FU to the NFL and Fox Network would be the Eagles play their backups versus the Cowboys. Oh, my God, would that be... That would be like when like when Shaq used to go back to Orlando and his Lakers used to play in Orlando. Shaq wouldn't play in Orlando because they ran some sort of stupid pull in the Orlando Sentinel that nobody wanted to pay Shaq $100 million, and he always held that against them. Every single time the Lakers would go back to Orlando, Shaq would never play. He used to, And it used to be uh, TNT games or what have you. NBC games, Shaq said, I'm not playing. <laughs> he wouldn't, he just wouldn't play, man. Okay. So, hey, I think the decision's going to come down and how he's going to make the call here. Yeah, we're not going to play him. Nick doesn't have that kind of power. Your general manager is going to make the call on whether or not. Your quarterback plays on Saturday. That's a problem for me. That's a problem. You don't have any true clarity in that building. When it comes to play calling situations from the Chicago game, Jalen's got more autonomy on the field than the offensive coordinator. And when it comes to Sunday or Saturday rosters, how he makes the call. Man, you got a lot of dudes in the building. Usually that gets in the way, but we'll see. I think that guy is the Jerry Jones of GMs. 
Jerry's the owner slash GM. He's never really been a GM. He's the owner. But how he's like, he, he's like Jerry Jones, dude. He's like Jerry Jones. He loves the spotlight. He just does. He loves the spotlight. We're going to also talk about how do you put Gardner Minshew in a position to win? All right, let me throw this other topic at you here. Okay? Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones has not won a Super Bowl since Jimmy Johnson, who we had on the show yesterday. It's been his biggest failure. For the last 27 years, Jerry Jones has not been able to do the one thing that would solidify that Hall of Fame jacket that he wears. Can't win without Jimmy. He can't win without Jimmy. It's been documented, and there's the evidence. They got three playoff wins. In the last 27 years, the Eagles have dominated, dominated the NFC East over the last 22 years. Dominated. Jerry can't win without Jimmy. Plain and simple. Jerry Jones is a brilliant NFL owner, and what he's done for the league is gold jacket worthy. As a football man, He's been a colossal failure. Football man, what have they won? Some would go like this. Sills, it's the number one franchise in the world when it comes to team value. Well, that's Jerry's brilliance. That's why he's a Hall of Famer. Not his football moves or his football decisions. They've been terrible. Jerry Jones has been a bad football guy. He's been a great owner, but a bad football guy because he gets in the way. He lights his team on fire and the Dallas Chernobyls. They act up every single December and we know what we're going to get. You know why? Because it's what I just talked about with the Eagles. There's got to be one head rooster in the hen house. And the guy in Philadelphia, is in the front office. He's not a football man either. Howie Roseman's not a football man. Howie Roseman is a businessman. He's not a football man. He's not a talent evaluator. He's a businessman. That's why his strongest moves are with experienced free agents or trades. Howie's best moves have been, and he got lucky with Hurts. Remember, he drafted that guy to be a seatbelt, not the steering wheel. I don't give a shit what any of you say. Howie Roseman is a businessman. That's why I fired Doug. That's why he stands out in front of the locker room in Indianapolis, reminding people who he is and what he did this year. Okay, Switzer. Yeah, you know the first thing Switzer said with Larry Lacewell? Joseph? 
sat down, looked at him, and said, where's Jimmy? And Jerry goes like this. Don't worry about it. We, he, Jerry, Jimmy's been fired, Barry. And you know what? How, and you know what? Barry Switzer said, how could you two fuck this up so bad? I'm quoting. And, 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 and Barry knew it. Barry goes, I'm just not going to do anything here. I'm not going to touch anything here. Everything's in place. Barry wasn't going to stay there long. The whole relationship with Barry Switzer and Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones all goes back to the 1964 Arkansas team. Jerry was a starting guard on it. Jimmy was an All-American nose guard on the national championship team. And Switzer was an assistant coach on that team. This all goes around in one circle. Larry Lacewell, all of those guys are stick as thieves. Hassan, I think you're out playing your boy, Micah Parsons. I do. I do. I really do. I want to, I want to, I want to, I see some of you guys over here, and I'm going to get to all your takes here, here in a second here. And I do want to acknowledge the passing of Franco Harris. One of the nicest people I have ever met in my entire life. Can you imagine this? Franco played on a team. The 22 starters in Pittsburgh that won four titles in six years. Four titles in six years. There were 10 Hall of Famers on it. 10 Hall of Famers on that Steeler team. One of the nicest guys You'll ever meet. I hey, I have to tell you this, this story about my grandpa. So we're watching the Steelers play. And my pop didn't really know the names of the guys. He loved football. So we used to watch giant games all the time. And I don't know. I think the Steelers are playing um, the Giants or something like that, right? I think you guys will love this. So I go like this to my to my grandfather. I go. Hey, see this guy here, man? Franco Harris, he's a great player. Daddy's a great player. He's like, yeah, okay. You know, he didn't really think anything of it. I go, by the way, he's Italian. Franco, my, my grandfather goes, what? I go, yeah, he's Italian. His mother's Italian and his father's black. He goes, that guy right there is Italian? I go, he became my grandfather's favorite football player. He goes, that guy's Italian, right? Franco Harris. I go, look, in the stands, Franco's Italian army. He's like, the mother's, the mother's Italian. I go, yeah, the mother's Italian. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the mother's Italian. I go, yeah, the mom's Italian. He goes, holy cow. Became my grandfather's favorite uh, football player after that when he heard that Franco was part Italian. He goes like this. He goes, that guy's, are you sure? I go, look, it says Franco's Italian army. My grandfather was like, he loved Franco Harris forever after that. <laughs> Loved it, man. Kyle Cecils, my stepdad, got into, got to meet Franco and shake his hand. Also invited him to dinner with Mel. Oh my God, Mel Blunt, dude, Mel Blunt was a spectacular football player. Tyler says, "Hey Dan, how much pressure is on the Washington Commanders to make the playoffs?" I think Ron Rivera deserves some conversation for NFL Coach of the Year. Rocky Blyer and Franco Harris were Piccolo and Sayers. Greasy, very nice. 
Francisco, my grandfather would have loved that even more. Hey, Mr. International, he goes, that guy's Italian. I go, yeah, he's Italian. Everyone, my, my pop, every time Franco Harris played, hey, there's Franco. Look at him. That guy's Italian right there. <laughs> and I go, yes, he's Italian. <laughs> um, Joseph, I, I, I kind of broached it a little bit. John Tortorelli gave me this Ranger jersey. Um, it's a uh, winter classic jersey when he was coaching the uh, Rangers. So he gave it to Big Sills, put 93 on it for me. I go out to my mailbox and I'm like, what the hell is this? It's a winter classic sweater that Tortorella sent me from New York with, um, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I, I got so many of these, man. People send me all kinds of shit, all kinds of, uh, I think uh, Lombardi, when he, um, when they, when the Kings won the cup, I think he sent me one too. Dude. Yeah, man. I, I love torts trying to get him on the program. All right. Um, just to finish up with Franco, the immaculate reception 50 years Friday. Um, I'll tell you a story about Al Davis. You know, I told you guys that I was hired by Al personally to cover the Raiders and he and I, just to go over the immaculate reception, he goes, who do you think the officials were talking to in the dugout there at Three Rivers? I go, I don't know, the league office? They go, talking to Roselle. The referees looked over at the cops that were there in Pittsburgh and went like this. Hey, if we change this call, are you going to get us out of here? The Pittsburgh police go, no. <laughs> Touchdown. <laughs> Man, Madden, Coach Madden. And Coach Davis, those guys told me every single time I met them. To the day Al died and John Madden died, they believed that that play was not a legal play. And they think that Roselle, because there was some big beef between Roselle and Al Davis at the time, these guys were going back and forth on relocation and all that shit. Remember, Al was the um, commissioner of the American Football League. And Roselle was the NFL commissioner. Part of the deal was that Al Davis would not be the commissioner of the NFL with the merger. Al Davis got the Raiders because of that. That's how Al became owner of the Raiders. It was a compromise. Okay, he can't be commissioner. So Al Davis will get the Raiders. And that's how that happened. He became, remember, he was a coach of the Raiders. He was the AFL coach of the year. He was a wide receiver coach in San Diego with the Chargers. I wasn't the owner until they merged. Uh, then the, then the uh, McGrath family, I think it's called, they allowed him into, that's why he was called the general managing partner. He was the, gen, he was the managing general partner of the Raiders. There was partners. And Al Davis had say in the Raiders. That was the compromise on the merger and getting him not to be the commissioner and fight for the commissioner's job because they wanted Roselle, all the owners. Yeah. That's how that whole thing panned out. All right. Cowboys and Eagle week. Also, how do you put Gardner Minshew in a position to win? Let's do this. Let's first do Gardner Minshew. Then we'll, Put a game plan together here with Jalen. 
Same thing the Cowboys have to do. Fair? Okay. How would you put Gardner Minshew in a position to beat the Cowboys on Saturday? What would be the first thing that you would want to accomplish against the Cowboys? What would be the number one thing that you want to do against the Dallas Cowboys? Me personally, I want to run the ball. Dallas Goddard's going to be back. That's going to improve your run game on setting the edges. Michael Parsons has to deal with Dallas Goddard now. I thought the other tight ends, by the way, I think the tight ends, I think they did an admirable job. I really did. I think they did a very, very solid job without Goddard being out there. Couple holding penalties. There were some problems with that. Still, I thought they did a nice job. Okay? Establish Sanders, please. This is for Minshew now. Establish that. Why would you want to establish that? Because I want to keep Gardner Minshew in this game against the Cowboys on Saturday night in third and short all night long. You got to win first and second down. If you're Philly, You've got to win first and second down, and I think you can. The Dallas Cowboys' hole in their defense is in the D-line. They're spotty in the secondary, but they're worse in the D-line. Establish that. You see, the egos of the offensive coaches in Philly, these guys get ahead. These guys, you've got to look. You've got to actually coach this game. You've got to actually coach this game here. You've got to put a solid game plan together. Know your enemy. Know your enemy here, man. Dallas struggles against the run. That same Bears team that you stuffed and held them under 250 yards of total offense, They ran for 250 on the Cowboys. Are you trying to tell me you think that the Bears have a better running attack than the Philadelphia Eagles do? Boy, I don't. Even with Minshew as the quarterback. Run that damn ball at them. Shut them up. Shut them up right away. You know how you shut some... How do you shut somebody's ass up right away? Punch him in the face. Punch him in the face. Punch him in the face. Go out there and go like, dude, the worst thing you can do for a team like Dallas is throw the ball a ton. I don't care that's Minshew's strength. Good. Let Dallas have to prepare for that. The worst thing you can do to somebody is this. I'm going to run right here. Right here. I'm going to run right here. And there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. Step on, step on their throats. Beat them up. Don't do this. Watch this. Here's what happened in the Chicago game. Here's what happened in the Chicago game. You ready? Even though you outplayed them and outperformed them, When you look at the box score, there wasn't really anything outside of the score that kept it close. Everything else 
was completely in the favor of the Eagles. How'd you keep Chicago in it? Couple turnovers? High percentage plays or what? Passes. And three and outs. All all you needed was five three and outs and three turnovers. And you made the game close in the fourth quarter. No turnovers. Run the ball. Hey, in a game like this, this is going to be a fourth quarter football game. If Jalen doesn't play. We'll talk if Jalen does play. But I wanted to throw this out how I think you go after the Dallas Cowboys with a game plan for Minshew. Keep him in third and short. Make sure play action is a thing. Make them have to defend play action. Seals Eagles are wearing all black Saturday. Awesome. Like Darth Vader. I'd love that. Like Darth Vader, all black. Come on. Dude, I'm all over that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Third and short. And on defense, what would you do if you're Jonathan Gannon? What would you do if you're Jonathan Gannon and you're the Eagle defensive players playing against that Cowboy defense? What would you guys want to try to establish right away? Who do you not want to beat you on that Cowboy offense? What player do you not want to beat you? Okay? What player? What player do you not want the Cowboys to beat you? CD says, Ron. Pollard. Dak. I don't want Zeke and Pollard to beat me. I don't think Dak Prescott has it in him to win championship games. And this is a championship type game. You know, guys, I'm going to say this to you here. You know my convictions and some of the takes I've had on Jalen? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, about Dak Prescott. I don't think Dak Prescott has a championship gene. I don't think, when, when I look at Dak Prescott, I don't see a champion. When I look at Dak Prescott, I don't see a guy in clutch situations that can win. And I'm going to say something here that you guys are probably not going to like. When I see Dak Prescott, I see Donovan McNabb. To be fair to Donovan, he did win more. And he did get into situations that put him in a place to potentially have greatness. Donovan McNabb missed greatness by a sliver. Dak hasn't got to that level, but when I when I see Dak Prescott, 
I see McNabb. Guys kind of throw the ball the same. They kind of run the same. Donovan, the fairness here. I, I think Donovan has one more. But I see the same guy. Okay? Donovan won way less. Joseph, you know, he's still got into those positions. The Cowboys have not made a conference championship game in 27 years. And during Dak's time, they get bounced in divisional rounds. Look, I do think the Des Bryant-Green Bay game, I think they got jobbed in that one. I thought they should have went to a conference title game there. But I, I, I just, I just, I, when I look, when I see Dak Prescott, I got it, Fly, and I just said that, okay? But when I just see McNabb with Dak Prescott, not quite it. Fly, I get it. I'm, I'm, I just conceded that part, but when I see, okay, McNabb! Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Am I wrong to make that comparison? Donovan McNabb and Dak Prescott are pretty much the same guy. Okay? Pretty much the same dude. Just not quite there. McNabb! I don't know why I keep doing that. <laughs> Right? I think Dak Prescott, because when I look at Donovan McNabb, Donovan McNabb doesn't have a championship gene. And I don't think Dak has. I do not. If I'm looking at building my football team around a championship quarterback, it's not Dak Prescott. And it's not Donovan McNabb. McNabb was so close. To the gold jacket, though. When everything is said and done, I don't know if Dak will even get that close. Donovan was close. Dak's never been clutch. Okay? I mean, I know some of you guys have great respect for Donovan and what he did. I Look, man, getting all those... Yeah, but wait a minute. Let me throw this at you here. Wasn't it more Andy Reid? That got you guys to all those conference championship games? Has to be. How many have they gone to in Kansas City? Five? Six? He's doing the same shit in KC he did in Philly. I think it's Andy Reid. No, look, the quarterback in Kansas City is by far better than the guy in Philly for Andy. Uh, by far. McNabb is nowhere in that guy's conversation, Mahomes. But you can't you can't you can't just not bring up the fact. Well, look at all the championships that he brought up and put get, put Philly in. 
And now look at what he's doing in Kansas City. It's pretty much the same stuff. Donovan McNabb and Dak Prescott remind me of each other. I thought about that last night before I was going to say this. Because I know the respect that you guys have for people that show up and play up. And McNabb, to all his credit, during the regular season, I would even make this comment. Donovan McNabb? I mean, you could make the conversation. He's Kirk Cousins, too. What's the respect level for him? He didn't really respect all of his teammates. He's by far less of a leader than Jalen. I'll tell you this. Jalen's by far a better leader than McNabb ever was. Okay? I think the most gifted player you've ever had at quarterback is Randall. And the guy who benefited off of having Andy and a really good defense and Jim Johnson, a great coordinator, was Donovan. And I think right now, Jalen Hurts is carrying his offensive coaching staff on his back. I do. Okay? Xander's like, Hurts and McNabb, not even comparable on leadership roles. Completely true. I always thought McNabb should have been the better guy. Look at how Brady handled Antonio Brown or any troubled guy like Aaron Hernandez. Those guys could talk all the shit they wanted on anybody. And Brady sat and took it, didn't say anything for the betterment of the player because you know why? Brady knew those guys were too emotional to say anything back publicly on. Brady was a people person. Jalen Hurts is a people person. He knows who to kick. He knows who to pat. McNabb didn't care about that shit. I think Dak's a better leader than Donovan. I think he's a better leader because there's more respect in the league for him and more people like him. McNabb was a horrible leader and a horrible big game guy. He didn't ever, he never stepped up. You know, that's yet to be determined also on Jalen Hurts. We haven't seen Jalen in a big game yet. Fly goes Antonio still talking shit on Brady. Yeah, you don't hear Brady saying anything. Because you know why? The less Brady says, the more of a fool Antonio Brown looks. That's what a leader does. He doesn't go out saying Djax doesn't deserve being a dual all-pro or pro bowler. Nobody says that shit but a donkey and a guy who's jealous. McNabb was so petty. That's why when you're looking, you know why? I get why everybody in Philly loves this kid. Because you had one of the biggest tool bags as a quarterback in the history of the league in McNabb. And you had one of the biggest babies of all time in Wentz. Wentz liked half the room instead of all the room. Jalen's one of those Brady kind of guys. Love all 53 guys in the place because you're going to need somewhere. Look at Gardner Minshew this week. Sometime or another, when you're in a 53-man locker room, your day's coming, your time's coming, you need to be ready. All of you will be involved in a championship moment somewhere in the mix. 
sometime during the year, the coach is going to put his hand on you and go, we need you. And that's why guys like Brady, and that's why guys like Hurts, they get the best out of their teammates. Those guys get the best out of them. Look at Aaron Rodgers all of a sudden last month. Aaron Rodgers is finally sitting down with his wide receivers, and he's critiquing them after games now. You know, he hasn't done that all year and even in training camp. This is the first time he's done that. And the players are getting better. How could you not listen to one of the greatest arms of all time if he just gave a shit? McNabb. I mean, he's Dak Prescott. I have a lot of respect for Dak and how he carries himself. And how... People around the league like him. But as a productive player, I think he puts up great empty calorie stats during the year. But when it comes time to living up to the $45 million contract he has, I think he fails miserably. I think he fails miserably. Just, I mean... That's when I was when I was thinking this last night. And how I look at Dak, because it's I'll get to Jalen here in a minute if Jalen plays. Hurts versus Dak on Saturday night. What do you think the narrative would be? Let's just say hypothetically he was healthy. What would the narrative be? The young gun versus Dak. And media would be building this thing up. But I'd be like this. What has Dak won? The only thing Dak Prescott has won is a big contract. That doesn't necessarily mean you're worth it. Carson Wentz got a big contract. Kyler Murray got a big contract. Derek Carr got a big contract. That doesn't mean they're winning quarterbacks. These organizations that pay these guys before you do any winning, it shocks me. I think you have to do something significant before you get that. Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl and an MVP before he got his $500 million deal. I mean, at least they went that to that extent. Kansas City wanted to be sure. First year starting, you won a Super Bowl. I mean, shit, I'm good. I'm good with that. I'm going to pay the kid. He's 23 years old at the time. He won a Super Bowl. He got an MVP. He's got a Super Bowl MVP. Shit, I'm paying the guy. We're so quick to pay him. Hey, the Wentz deal was a complete disaster for the Eagles. Hey, and you know what? I'll make a comparison to you on this. The Eagles got bailed out the same way the Redskins at the time got bailed out when they had Cousins in the fourth round and they had RG3 with the number one pick and that guy ended up getting hurt. Remember they franchise tag Kirk Cousins for like three years? That's the only thing that saved Mike Shanahan was that he kind of hedged his bets on RG3. Let me get a quarterback in the fourth round. Right? 
And by the way, for the record, wasn't Donovan McNabb absolutely horrible in like three or four of those NFC title games? Didn't he shit the bed in like three of them? Every time he got into a a situation like that, I mean, it looked like he shit the bed. Wentz took them to the Super Bowl. If it not had been for Wentz, the baton wouldn't have passed. By the way, you know what today is? Do you guys know what today is? You guys know what today is? Stan, there's, a, there's an Eagle anniversary. Do you know what the Eagle anniversary is today? How appropriate. In the same week, almost. Today, five years ago. And Nick Foles' first start. He goes 24-38 for 237 yards and four touchdowns versus the Giants. And they beat him. Five years ago today, Nick Foles takes over for Wentz and beats the Giants with a four-touchdown performance. And this week, you may have another guy stepping in and getting his moment. Look how history repeats itself. Especially in the NFL. To four touchdowns. The guy comes off the pine and throws for four TDs. I think Gardner Minshew, the reason why that number is coming down to four now, and the people in Atlantic City and the people in Vegas are now going, eh, I'm going to make it four. I bet you by game time, even if Minshew starts, I bet you this thing's a three-point game. Favor of the Cowboys. And the only reason that it's going to be a three-point game is because you got a backup starting quarter or you got a backup quarterback playing for the Eagles, who I think is still going to win. Hey, can, can, can I ask somebody in Philadelphia this question? Xander, maybe you can answer it. Why do you dudes like to do shit so hard? <laughs> I mean, can't you just do it the easy way? Why does everything in Philly have to be so, so hard? Why do you make it so hard on yourselves? I mean, shit. If it's not the uh, Kawhi Leonard circling the basket, (laughs) right, in the Easter Conference Finals or whatever, why do you guys have to make this thing so hard always? I mean, why? I mean, right? See, everything's going too smooth. Hey, if Dallas, hey, if Dallas has a meltdown in like the Dallas Chernobyls in December, the Eagles in December have to make things harder on themselves every year, <laughs> every time, every single situation. If it's not T.O. bitching with Donovan, if it's, oh, Jesus, it went on to me. Nick Foles starting. God forbid you guys make it hard on yourselves. Generic. Hey, Sills, do you think Hurts can transform into more of a classic pocket passer as he becomes more experienced? 
running only when forced. You mean, do I think he could become Russell Wilson? Generic. I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's anything that Jalen Hurts can't accomplish. There, I said it. To what extent? I don't know. But I think he will go full bore trying to make that happen. I really do. I think he'll make that happen. I think he's a guy, in my opinion, that is just one of those dudes. Um, he's just one of those guys that'll work his ass off. Joseph goes, hey, somebody record this. <laughs> well, I, I think his work ethic has proven that and proven it to me that his work ethic, you know, isn't it crazy, guys? You cannot work talent. Am I right when I say that? You cannot work talent. How many times do we see, look at Brady outworking Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is more talented than Brady. Brady outworks him. Brady outworks him. He just outworked That's why, to me, okay, there's more talented people than me that, that do sports talk and have sports shows. But the reason I don't take days off, because I'm outworking. I'm going to outwork you. Because you know why? Everybody puts their hand up. Big Seals doesn't. I will never surrender. I will never surrender. I don't care how talented you are. I will never, and I'm the kind of guy you have to kill because I won't surrender. I don't care what it is. I'm like Al Capone in a way. You, you, you bring a gun, I'm going to bring a cannon. That's, I think, what hurts is. He's that kind of guy too. Dude, when you got 53 guys or 80 guys like that, you know, it was funny. Jimmy Johnson said this about me, and I had Xander cut it up for me. You were a handful, Sills. You know what some of my teammates who saw that interview and people around the country who saw that interview, you know what they said? Bro, there were 80 guys like you. There were 80 guys he was worried about. You know why you have that? That's called a pack. And when you got 80 dogs like that, that you got to keep on a leash and you go like this on Saturdays or Sundays, let's go. And you let them dogs loose, bro. You got a rough one headed your way. You got a rough one. I played with 80 guys like that. I was a handful. Shit. You think Jerome wasn't? I like that mentality. I like having a whole locker room like that. All the guys are on leashes. I dig that kind of locker room. Very difficult to coach because you don't know what's going to happen with these guys. You think Michael Irvin? You think Mike was easy to coach? Dude, all them crazy dudes? Shit. Stills, your heart on hurts because you do love the... I do love the kid. He's proving me wrong every week. 
He's proving me wrong every week like Lamar did. The only thing that I'm going to stick to, guys, you can't build your team around a dual-threat quarterback. And that's why one of the guys asked the question, do I think he can grow into being a pocket passer? Some of those throws he made in Chicago that were over the shoulder in the wind in Chicago – I agree with uh, Xander. Dude, some of some of those passes, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown look like Willie Mays in the outfield in the World Series. I mean, you, you, you've you got the defender, Brown, and the sideline right here, and he's dropping those in like this. In the wind, in Chicago, on the road, he can't feel his hands, and he's beat up. I don't know. That shows... And now that I know he's beat up, I'm telling you, man, that to me was the most inspirational game of the season for Jalen Hurts, that Chicago game. The Chicago game is the most inspirational. Yes, I'm comfortable saying that. That's the most inspirational game of the year. You're banged up. You're hurt. You can't feel your hands. And you got to go on the road and win a game against a team that's going to come after you. And they did come after him. Okay? Most inspirational game. Sills, you can't wait. You one day can remember when running was the only way to win. They had the West Coast offense. Game is completely different now. You've got to take advantage. You've got to take complete advantage of today's NFL. You know what, though? I will say this. Jalen's starting to get respect from the refs, except for this. Um, you know, some of those hits on Jalen Hurts, you see the refs now starting to protect him more. You see what Sue did to Justin Fields? Slapped him upside the head. You know, Sue's a dirty player. That's okay. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not bitching at him. He slapped him in the helmet. That should have been a 15-yard penalty. That's what I'm talking about, protecting the running quarterbacks. That shit doesn't last. You cannot build a championship team for a long period of time around a dual-threat guy who runs as much as Jalen Hurts does. You can't. He's smarter. Yes. He's getting better passing. Yes. All of that is true. Okay? All of that is true. Completely true. Yell goes, what jersey is that? Alternate Rangers? Told you, man. It's winter winter classic. I love the fact Torts gave me this, man. John Tortorella is awesome to me. He's one of my favorite people. He's not for everyone, (laughs) though. Hey, he's not for everyone. By the way, top of the hour. NFL Coach of the Year candidates. I have a vote. I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see. And the guys, and I, I, I get, get this. This list is completely upside down now. Also, Week 16 and Brad Sham, the legendary voice of the Dallas Cowboys, will get the opponent's 
view on how he thinks the Cowboys have played this season. Cowboys are 10-4, and right? I don't know, man. It's been spotty. They've looked good like they did against Minnesota. And then you have a football team put 500 yards on you this past weekend in Jacksonville. I don't know. I think it's too inconsistent. Micah Parsons, Peter, has not outplayed the last seven weeks Hassan Reddick. He has not. Okay? He has not. Jess says, Sills, you think the Eagles re-signed Bradbury or CJ? It's going to be a heavy price tag for both guys. CJ makes $836,000 base salary. Dude, he's going to go on the open market and get $12 million. And Bradbury's playing at a Pro Bowl level right now. He's going to be $14 million. You got $30 million decision to make in those two guys. $32 million decision. Now, do I think they're going to get max money at cornerback? No, but they're going to make north of $10 million. They're going to make north of $10 million. Reddick is better than Parsons? I don't think so, because Parsons can do more. But Reddick's turning out to be a better pass rusher. And that's what he's paid for. Hassan Reddick is not paid to cover tight ends. He's paid to get after a quarterback, and he's effectively doing it. He is. I just, it, it, it just blows my mind. See, how about this? What makes this even crazier, Xander, everyone? So how come Arizona and Carolina would let a guy like that walk out? What Hassan Reddick has done? Me, I had a question. Third team, three years. My question now goes like this. Wow, you talk about the shitty coaching in Arizona and in Carolina, and you couldn't figure it out? Wow, that's on them. They look dumb now. This guy's got, what, 12 sacks? I don't know. All I could do is go by observations here. So two teams, let him walk. And this guy walks into Philly and now becomes the first guy in NFL history to have double-digit sack years on three different teams when Jadavian Clowney's never had double-digit sack year in his entire career? And you're trying to tell me Clowney's better? I don't see it. I don't see it. All right, hour number two coming up. NFL Coach of the Year. Also, at the bottom of the hour, Brad Sham, voice of the Dallas Cowboys, will join us. We'll get his perspective on, and one thing about Brad, he's like the Merrill Reese of the Cowboys. Brad's going to tell you the way it is. He's not one of those guys. He's going to tell you. I'm going to go, hey, man, why are the Cowboys 10-4? and four? How do you think they've played so far? We'll get his thoughts. That'll be 4.30 Eastern time. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. 
Post Game Show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post Game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. National Football Show, hour number two, bottom of the hour. We'll talk to Brad Sham, the voice of the Dallas Cowboys. Friday, so Xander, Big Joe texts me. Who are we going to talk about? Who are we going to have talking about um, Franco? And it's the 50th anniversary. Big Joe, I know the signature show talked about it, but on Friday... Uh, Rocky Blyer is going to join us, who was in the backfield and a dear friend of mine. Can I? By the way, Rocky Blyer has been on our program before. <laughs> uh, okay, and I, I I go like this: How would you like to have this? He's got four Super Bowl rings, a bronze star, and a purple heart. And I'm sitting here going like this. 
tell me that's not one of the most accomplished guys in the history of the National Football League. Rocky Blyer's got a bronze star, a silver star, a purple heart, and four Super Bowl rings. That's accomplished. Okay? That's accomplished. Rocky got 1,002. And the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception is Friday. So we'll talk a little bit about that. That'll be on Friday. By the way, before we get into Coach of the Year, Josh Allen, AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Damn. Yeah, he blew off half his foot. Purple Heart, just to show you what kind of organization um, the Steelers are. They drafted him, and the Roonies drafted him. He went to Notre Dame and played at Notre Dame. And he came back having stepped on a landmine. He couldn't walk. The Steelers had him, and they hit him. And you know what they did? They let him rehab. They, they allowed him to rehab. And guess what happened? He would go on to get 1,000 yards and be the running mate of Franco Harris. And it was one of the greatest running attacks of all time. Think about that. The Steelers had a Hall of Fame running back in Franco, 1,000-yard runner in Rocky. Both wide receivers are in the Hall of Fame. The quarterback's in the Hall of Fame. The center's in the Hall of Fame. Then, of course, on the other side, you had the legendary Elsie Greenwood, Dwight White, Hall of Famer Joe Green, Lambert, Ham, Russell, Blunt. They had 10 of the 22 starting guys. 10 of the 22 starting guys in Pittsburgh that would win four Super Bowls in six years. 10 of the 22 were Hall of Famers. And Chuck Noll drafted them all. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Franco is one of the sweetest men I've ever met next to this man. They're kind of the same guys. 12,000 rushing yards. Just tremendous. Me, Joe Green's probably the greatest player of all those players in Pittsburgh. That says a lot, too. And think about what the Steelers did and their domination during that time. I, th- I call it the golden age of football because everybody was kept on the rosters. You had the Dolphin dynasty still around at that time. You had the Cowboy dynasty. You had the Raider dynasty. All those teams were so good. Shit, man, those teams are so good. Teams like the Chargers and the Chiefs, they couldn't win a lot because those teams are so dynamic. I mean, that Super Bowl in Miami between the Cowboys and the Steelers, there were something like 22 Hall of Famers on the field at one time. You'll never see that again because of free agency and salary caps. Just amazing. Chuck Knoll. I've said this to you before. The Pittsburgh Steelers have the greatest statistic of all time. Do you know what that is? Since January 17th of 1969, the Pittsburgh Steelers have had three coaches. Three. There's been more popes and presidents than head coaches in Pittsburgh. Stability. The Steelers are the gold standard of how you run a franchise. 
They're the gold standard. You know why? Knee-jerk reactions don't win. Pouring cement, like Mr. Rooney used to say, pouring the cement, that's what builds foundations. I mean, think of that. January 17th is when Chuck Knoll was hired. They've had three head football coaches in that span. We had a guy on the moon. The first time America put a guy on the moon, Noel was hired. The Mets were world champions. Name it, that just won the Super Bowl. Rooney hired Noel and Steeler Dynasty. You imagine drafting, and in a draft, you had Lambert, Green, and Blunt. I don't know, man. I mean, Chuck Noll, man, doesn't get enough credit for being a dynasty. Dude, you could tell me all you want about Bill, Bill Belichick and how great he's, he is great. Chuck Noll drafted Hall of Famers. He didn't make trades for him. He drafted them, developed them, turned them into stars. Noll was an absolutely spectacular Talent evaluator as a head coach. Unbelievable run. And Franco played for Coach Paterno. They had Lydell Mitchell at Penn State. Dude, I heard I heard Rob talking earlier today, and Capaletti was in the back. You imagine that? You had John Capaletti. You had Lydell Mitchell, who went on to have a fabulous career in Baltimore with the Colts. And you you had Franco. Franco, if you've ever met him, dude, he's a big man. He's a big dude. And he was fast as he was fast as hell. Purple people leaders, too. Yeah, Minnesota had a great run. Absolutely. Stallback was spectacular. Brad, you know what? Hey, you know that dopey ass guy that you watch on Sundays on the NFL on Fox? Terry Bradshaw, you want to hear something really out of your mind that you don't believe, that, which is incredible. Terry Bradshaw called all the offensive plays. He was the offensive coordinator. Roger Stallback didn't have any influence at all in the play calling. That was all Landry. And what really always got me about Landry, Landry was a defensive guy. I never got the play calling thing with him. I think that's why they didn't win as much. Yeah. Bradshaw called all the plays. He was, it was up to him. Noel wanted the quarterback to make the calls in the huddle. All right, we're doing this. That's what makes Terry Bradshaw, when you hear Terry Bradshaw talking about football on Sundays, though Bradshaw was the offensive coordinator and the Hall of Fame quarterback on arguably the greatest dynasty over a short period of time. I would say this to you. If you took any of those Steeler teams and played any of those Patriot teams, that Steeler team would beat the shit out of those Patriot teams. You had too many, you had too many Hall of Famers on the field. You had too many Hall of Famers and a Hall of Fame head coach. And a Hall of Fame D coordinator. Bud Carson's on that team. He's the guy that created Steel Curtain. Come on, man. Unbelievable. 
I can't believe how good that that run was the best. Those teams were the best teams in the NFL. Those Patriot teams, Brady completely was the guy. He was completely the guy there. And we see that now. All right. Bottom of the hour, Brad Sham, voice of the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys and Eagles Saturday. All right. NFL Coach of the Year. This list has changed so much. It has changed so much. Um, and I think there's been some remarkable coaching jobs. Number 10. Mike McCarthy. Cowboys. Hey, after they lost Dak Prescott, they still were able to keep the thing afloat and put himself in a position to do things in the postseason. I think Mike McCarthy's actually done a pretty good job this year. And by the way, you always have to remember, you've got Jerry Jones on your shoulder. GT, what was the bet? I forget. Remind me. Number nine. I got Andy Reid. Lose Tyree Kill. Your offense doesn't lose a beat. Doesn't lose a beat. Andy's such a great coach. Hey, tell me this. Tell me this. Why was Andy Reid fired again in Philadelphia? Why was he fired in Philly? Why was Andy Reid fired? Why did they not allow him to go out the same way that Bob Kraft is going to allow Bill Belichick to go out? Uh, GT says throw for 4,000 yards. Well, if he misses games, he's not. A A losing season. So they fired a coach who had gone to five NFC championship games and he had a losing season, so they fired him because he didn't win the big game. He wasn't fired. He stepped down. Joseph, he hasn't thrown for 4,000 yards. GT, you're getting ahead of yourself. Hertz hasn't thrown and won't throw for 4,000 yards this year. I, I didn't lose any bet. Unfortunately, it was time for a change. Okay. So they pushed him out. 503 games. Good luck to you. He ain't playing this weekend. He ain't playing. He had family issues. I know he did. His son and all that when he was in Philadelphia. And then now look at what's happened now also with the other kid. The players were not responding to him. Time for new players then. Andy and Lori agreed to separate due to Andy's family issues. Huh. Didn't Lori and Peterson agree to separate because of other issues? Sounds like the same MO to me. GT, three games to go. Good luck to you, man. Hope you get it. I do. Remember, 
I got Ron Rivera at number eight. Commanders. I think Ron's done a great job for that scumbag owner. I really do. I think he's done a great job for that scummy owner. I just spoke to Hertz, and he said his number one goal is to one you up there. GT, baby, that's what I love to hear. Put big sills in the firing line. Number seven, like the rock star head coach down in Miami. Guy's listening to rap. I think he was listening to Drake. He's going around, you know, he's doing all that, man. He's telling Tua he sucks. I, I kind of like the um, the high school kid, Mike McDaniel, down with the Dolphins. I got him at number seven. This guy's on the sidelines listening to Drake and shit. I mean, I, I, I like the kid, man. I think he's done a really solid job there in Miami for that team. Number six, I'll tell you somebody, and the reason why I've got these first-year coaches on here, because I think it's been a pretty good year for first-year coaches. This kid, Kevin O'Connell with the Vikings, has done an absolutely spectacular job in Minnesota. You see all those players, man? And how they respond to him and how they like him and how they how they coach for him and how they do all that. Okay? You were right, Xander. This kid's good, man. Kevin O'Connell, man. And by the way, the guy in Miami, too. Xander said both these guys. They're having a great year. Okay, so Big Seal's top 10 head coaches so far going into the final stretch run of the season here. I got a vote, too. Mike McCarthy, Cowboys 10. Andy Reid, 9. Chiefs. Ron Rivera, Commanders, 8. Mike McDaniel, Dolphins, 7. Kevin O'Connell, Vikings, 6. Here's your top five guys now. I got Brian Dable, New York Giants. Is it me or is Daniel Jones actually playing better football? I would have to do this now if I'm the Giants. Well, if he had this much improvement under Dable, can he improve again? I mean, do we want to really pull the ripcord on Brian Dable's opportunity to maybe get Daniel Jones right? He's played, he's been pretty good, man. I, I wouldn't, he's had a little NFC player of the week awards. I mean, I think Daniel Jones has played well. And I think that's due to great coaching. And we see some spotty play from, from Josh Allen since Dable's not been up there. I like Ken. You know how much my relationship is with Ken Dorsey. I, I love the kid. But Dimes Jones, man. I mean, I don't know. Again, I would probably still move off him. But Brian Dable's done a great job with them. I mean, they're a couple games away now from making the playoffs. Who would have thought the New York Giants, with that shitty offense, would they average last year 15, 17 points last year, that they would be in a position for a playoff? Again, too, Ron Rivera's got the commanders in a position for the playoffs. How about this one? Number four, and rapidly moving. I got Doug Peterson with the Jaguars. So if they win, am I right when I say this? If they win on Thursday night against the Jets 
and I think they will. That means they're seven and eight. What if he gets that team into the playoffs? Remember what what my prediction was about Trevor Lawrence at the beginning of the year? My prediction was that Doug Peterson was going to make Trevor Lawrence a Pro Bowl quarterback. He's sure playing like it. What if Doug gets that team to the playoffs? Are you rooting for him? I know I am. You imagine Doug Peterson, after the whole Urban Meyer disaster, takes the shitty Jaguars, takes that job over, and puts him into playoffs. That's pretty impressive, man. That's a great coaching job by Doug Peterson and his staff. Hey, did you see what the Eagle coaches did for beating Dallas? They sent Doug Peterson's uh, offensive staff. Do you see this, uh, Xander? The Eagle coaches sent the Jaguar coaches cheesesteaks. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that, but the reports are that the Eagle coaching staff sent the Jaguar coaching staff for beating Dallas cheesesteaks. Shit. Doug's like, yeah, we got a box in the mail, and they were cheesesteaks from the uh, – Nick Sirianni coaching staff for beating Dallas. Well, you don't think they're sharing film now? You know they're sharing film. Sending cheesesteaks? Doug probably sent them up the game plan and how they beat them. How brilliant. Nick, got to give it to you, Paisan. Send food? You said game film. <laughs> hey, hey, man. That's how I'd do it. Hey, I'd probably be sending lobsters and like scoongeels and shit to Doug Peterson. But you, you said Philly cheesesteaks to all the guys and all the coaches. You know what Doug sends back? Doug sends back game film. <laughs> oh, yeah, and here's our game plan that we had on beating Dallas. Dude, can you get any better than that? What, you don't think that went down? Hey, Doug Peterson, you know he's rooting for those guys in Philly. You know he is. Most of those guys sweated and, and bled for him. His, his ass isn't with the players or even Nick Sirianni's coaching staff. It may, be, it may be with the owner and the GM, but that has nothing to do with what those guys go through all the time, especially coaches, man. It's a fraternity just like the player fraternity. I love that, man. Hey, watch this. I bet you anything, Doug sends something up from Jacksonville like 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 steamers or something or grouper up to uh the coaches in Philadelphia if they beat Dallas on Saturday night. Right? I mean, though why wouldn't you want to have a good relationship? Of course you want to have a great relationship because someday you're going to have to ask for game plans and film. You're not trying to create ad an adversarial relationship. Hey, Doug did his job in Philly. Now Doug's been hired to do a job in Jacksonville and he's doing it. I got Kyle Shanahan number three on my list for NFL coach of the year. His third quarterback, Brock Purdy? Really? <laughs> okay. And he's built the hell. Dude, to me, the team that I'm more concerned about if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles is not the Dallas Cowboys. It's the 49ers because they resemble each other. And how about this? 
If Gardner Minshew has to play, say Jalen can't play in the playoffs, you'd have Minshew versus Brock Purdy. That's a coin flip game. The only reason you favor the Eagles is because they're at home. Be thinking about that when you want to decide to play Jalen Hurts on Saturday versus the Cowboys. I got Dan Campbell, number two. That team was one in six. One in six, they're seven and seven now. I think personally, the Detroit Lions have been the best team the Eagles have played all year. That's the best team they've played. The quarterback's playing his ass off. Dude, that Aiden Hutchinson kid is a player. And now you get Jamison Williams? Wait till that guy gets up to speed. That kid is a ball player. And you add that to the mix of a running game? So you got Jamison Williams, you got that running attack, you got golf playing, and you got the second best offensive line in the NFL. I don't know, man. The Lions might be on their way finally. That's a damn good coaching job. And yeah, I got Sirianni number one. I do. I don't think you can say anything against 13-1. and one. Even though I have an ass with the way that they coached in that Chicago game, in my opinion, I didn't like it. There wasn't anything I liked about that. But to me, I think Sirianni has to be rewarded. You have to be rewarded for 13-1. and one. Now, again, this is today. We still have three to play. And to me, I think Doug Peterson and Dan Campbell, if they make it to the playoffs, I think it's going to come down between those two guys. Because, again, um, Dan Campbell, the Lions, and Doug, the Jaguars. I mean, right? How long have those teams sucked? 20 years? <laughs> right? And, and especially with Doug and what he had to clean up after um, Urban Meyer. So here's your 10 guys. Mike McCarthy, 10. Andy Reid, 9. Ron Rivera, 8. Mike McDaniel, Dolphins, 7. Kevin O'Connell, Vikings, 6. Ryan Dable, Giants, Doug Peterson, Jags, Kyle Shanahan, three with the Niners, Dan Campbell, Detroit, Nick Sirianni, one. It's going to be an interesting ball game on Saturday. You know, I've said this to you before, this Cowboy team. The Cowboys are going to always get the best from every team each and every single week because it's the hype around the team. The owner creates the hype. It's why the franchise is the number one franchise value-wise in the world. The networks love the Cowboys. This is why you get a lot of eyeballs. This is There's going to be a ton of eyeballs on this game. And there's a ton of sidebar stories when it comes to this game on Saturday night. The guy who's been... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My friend for over 25 years and the voice of the Dallas Cowboys for over 30 now. It's my friend, Brad Sham. Is 30 now, Brad? 30 plus? 44, but who's counting? 44? You covered Roger? Yes. (sighs) (laughs) I started on the broadcast doing Color with Vern Lundquist. The year before Tony Dorsett was drafted. How about that? 76. So you, you, your first Super Bowl was the Broncos-Cowboys Super Bowl. Um, that was the Randy White and I – and the uh, uh, Randy White and he, uh, was a co-MVP in that Super Bowl yeah. with Harvey Martin. Harvey Martin. Harvey Martin. That's correct. Wow. Fantastic. And I really thought it should have been Randy Hughes, the safety, who was the third safety – with uh, Charlie Waters and Cliff Harris, but he had a phenomenal game, had several turnovers, just as I thought that in the Super Bowl in uh, uh, January, I guess it would have been of 94, after the 93 season in Atlanta, the second of their back-to-back, I thought James Washington, the safety from UCLA, was the MVP. Emmett got it, and certainly you can't, Quibble with Emmett getting it. He they were trailing at halftime, and Emmett uh, carried him offensively. But Washington got him the ball back with a couple of takeaways. And but yeah, I've been doing it that long. Brad, do you think that Michael Parsons has had the same kind of impact that Randy White had on those doomsday? Do you think he's that kind of player, or do you think it's still too early of a conversation? You and I both know what Randy meant to Doomsday. Yeah, the reason, I, Dan, I think it's too early is that at this point of Randy White's career, he was not yet Randy White. Randy White was – they drafted him. Landry wanted to play him at linebacker, tried him at outside linebacker, tried him at middle linebacker. I think it was his third year, and they were all about ready to throw their hands up and say, I don't know what works. And Landry asked Randy if he would be interested in – trying defensive tackle and Randy said I'll coach I'll do anything you want and of course he then became one of the greatest that ever played the game but at this stage where Parsons is now of Randy White's career Randy White wasn't Randy White yet so it's way too early to answer the question all right Brad the Cowboys are 10 and 4 have they had a good year in your opinion absolutely they started the year I, I thought I thought they'd be fortunate to be ten and seven. They um, 
decided not to re-sign Amari Cooper. They tried and did not succeed to re-sign Randy Gregory. Um, they, they thought maybe they addressed the receiver position, but they weren't really sure. And I'm not sure that they did. Um, that there were, there were lots of questions about the receiver position and the offensive line. And can the defense be that good again? Uh, that was going into training camp when they broke training camp and came home the last practice before the regular season, Tyron Smith, tore his hamstring away from his knee. Now he's out. Then they go out and lay an ostrich egg against Tampa in the first game, and they lose Dak Prescott. What were the expectations then? You know, nil. And then they continue to play really good defense, and then they win four games with Cooper Rush, and um, things progress. They evolve. So with what they have had to overcome – and now, now we're in a stretch where they've lost a, a starter a week for about three weeks. Um, with what they've had to overcome, Dan, everything you said about their success is, is uh, unquestioned. It's fact. It's there in print. And the thing that drives people who hate the Cowboys so crazy is this is the first year since 95 and six that they have had double digit wins in consecutive years. This is the first time in 15 years that they have been in the playoffs two years in a row. Now they're always right on the fringe and they're always relevant, but to be looking at all of that and the things that they went through and then to have them make the playoffs mathematically with a month to go, with a quarter of the season to go, absolutely they've had a good year. Brad, help me out on this one here. You've covered all these great players all the years for the Cowboys. And I've said this about Dak, and I, and, and I said it in the first hour. Like the kid. The kid's got a lot of people around the league that respect him. If you're going to put a blueprint together on what a face of a franchise looks like, it's Dak Prescott. He's the guy you want because – the way he conducts himself and handles himself. But Brad, and again, the money, the star, everything else, man, that postseason now, he's got to win significant games, doesn't he? In a game like Saturday night, to keep their hope alive of being a number one seed, and to go a long Dan, way. Dan, time out. Time out. They're, they weren't going to be a number one seed. If they, okay. had, if they had beaten Jacksonville, they weren't going to be the number one seed. The Eagles have a game in the standings, now two, actually now three. So you think you think the Cowboys have conceded that already? No. They haven't conceded it. It's what I believe. They were two games behind the Eagles plus a tiebreak, which they could even the tiebreak by winning. You think the Philadelphia Eagles were going to lose three more games before no. the end of the year? Right. No. Neither do I. So they're not, they've been the best team in the league all year long. So Dallas, in their minds, if they should be thinking that they are trying to catch the Eagles and, and win the division, yes. And we all know that the division winners don't always win the Super Bowl. The head coach repeated this week 
that he's been the number one seed and gotten drummed out in the first round, and he's been the fifth seed and won the Super Bowl. And when you get in the playoffs and you win, nobody cares about whether you won the division anymore. And so they weren't going to catch Philadelphia. They were always going to be a wild card from maybe from the time they lost to Green Bay. And that's that was only their their uh, I'm looking I'm trying to look at but that was only their third loss. I mean, the Eagles have just had such a good year that they've given no one else, Minnesota, San Francisco, no one else has had a margin for error to get to the number one seed. That's not anybody's fault. That's the Eagles doing well. So put that away. This game is not a playoff game. This game, Saturday afternoon, it's not to get into the playoffs. It's not to win the division. There's a lot you want to do. You've lost to them already. You want to you're probably going to have to play them again if you can be successful. You want to prove that you can play with them and play well. But this game is not a playoff game, or, is, or nor is it a game to get into the playoffs. These teams are both in the playoffs. And I'll promise you, there are a lot of players who will be – coaches will be cautious on whether they play them that they would have perhaps a different feeling on both teams, that they would have a little different treatment of it. If it was a playoff game, there will be things schematically in offenses and defenses that they don't want to show. They don't want to, they don't want to play their full hand. They're probably going to play them again in three, four weeks. So let's, let's let it be what it is an entertaining football game between two good teams one having a good year and one having a phenomenal year. But that's all it is. It's not more than that. Do the Cowboys need Odell Beckham Jr.? No, not not as we know what he is now. If he's not ready to play, why do they need him? They need, they need better production at wide receiver. And so the Amari Cooper loss has ha- – you, you've seen it, and it's been felt in the offensive production. Yes. And there are re, there are a lot of reasons. There was I think there was some chemistry. I think the, certainly the money was something they weren't comfortable with. I think that management especially um, questioned his availability at all times. I frankly, this is just my opinion. Uh, you know, one of Jerry Jones's favorite sayings is don't let your money get mad. <laughs> and I think that he did. Uh, they, they were mad at Cooper for not getting vaccinated and for not only missing time, but putting other players availability at risk by being unvaccinated around them. That's not a political statement. That's just medicine. So they didn't like that. And then when you combine it with what they were going to be paying him and what they thought was his availability every week, and the vaccination was part of that, in my opinion, then I think they said, we can do more with this money. We can do better. It's not that they didn't like him as a player. It's not that they didn't think they could use him. But with all of those other things, they thought that they could do other things with the money. It's clear that they thought they had to address the position because they signed James Washington and they drafted Jalen Tolbert in the third round. Now, as it turned out, 
Tolbert has barely been able to get on the field. Is that him? Is it coaching? I don't know. He missed some time in training camp, and then he kind of got forgotten. Uh, Washington had the misfortune of breaking his foot in training camp, and he's only been back on the active roster now for three weeks. I think he had two snaps last week. So they've got to figure out a way to get them involved. And that all was against the backdrop of knowing that Michael Gallup was going to miss some time at the beginning of the year because he was um, resuscitating that knee from the same injury that Beckham has. And I would stipulate, Your Honor, that, um, that Gallup has not fully gotten his sea legs. I mean, he was, he was, you couldn't even find him on the field in Jacksonville. And um, they're going to have to figure out a way to utilize him. And, but Beckham's a great story. It's a great name. He's obviously a great player, but he's not ready to play. So do they need him? No. That's why they signed T.Y. Hilton. Can he help him right away? I don't know. We'll find out. C.D. Lamb has stepped up. C.D. Lamb, they said, we think he's ready to be the number one guy. That's another reason we're willing to let Cooper go. Well, Lamb was really shaky for the first few weeks. I think that he had to figure out what all that meant, especially without a a real solid group of receivers around him. Don't forget, the last couple of years, you were looking at Lamb and Cooper and Gallup. Now, all of a sudden, Cooper's gone and for the first month, Gallup's gone. And when he's back, he's not himself. Well, that's a whole different kettle of fish. So Lamb has put himself into all-pro conversation. Lamb, Lamb's already over 1,000 yards. If he can average six catches a game, he'll have 100 catches for the last three weeks. I mean, Lamb's really stepped up. And so they need help around him. And um, sometimes it can be from the tight end. It can be from using your other receivers different ways. Do they need Odell Beckham? No, they don't need Odell Beckham, not the way he is right now. Would you agree, Brad, that the most important player in that offensive huddle next to Dak is Pollard because of the versatility that they use in the screen game, the run game? He's, I think, an outstanding blitz pickup guy. All those things mean to me – He's one of the most versatile guys, maybe the most unheralded guy also because of the salary and who Zeke is and all this and that. But is that fair? Because how how he goes, it seems, is how that Cowboy game goes for 60 minutes. If they establish him, they win. Well, they establish the running game and they win. And they've been really good about using both of them. And both of them have been on self, both, I mean, Elliott and Pollard. They've both been unselfish. They've shared. They've literally, truly, in ways that we rarely see in the league, shared the job. And they have increased Pollard's role, as was only wise. They probably didn't use Lamb or Pollard, either one, enough in the fourth quarter of last season. So that's not the case now. And uh, Pollard has truly developed into an outstanding back. His Pass protection has increased dramatically. I wouldn't put him on a par with Elliott yet. He's one of the best I've ever seen. But but he's greatly improved, and he's a weapon for him. He's a weapon for him 
in the next month. He's a weapon for him in the playoffs and going forward. A couple last questions for you, Brad. Um, do you think the key of this football game is Dan Quinn's run defense versus the Eagles rushing attack and establishing, especially if Minshew's the guy, they have to keep it in third and short. So play action is a factor. You have to win first and second down. I think if you're Philly, if you have your backup quarterback in there, is the key come down to the Cowboys rush defense versus again, where everyone's looking at their edge rushers. I think just want to hear your thoughts. I, I think it just comes down to big boy football down in the trenches here. If Dallas can stop the run, they'll win the game. Well, I do think it comes down to big boy football in the trenches. Uh, I don't know, Dan, if I would limit it to that side of the ball because we are so, this is just the way it goes. And you know, this uh, we're so enamored uh, for very good reasons of what the Eagles offense has done, especially with the year that Hertz has had, especially the threat he's been running the ball, as well as his improvement as a passer, that we forget about their defense. And their defense is tremendous. And so just as important as the battles that you're describing will be the same thing on the other side. The Cowboys are going to not only have to protect Prescott from an outstanding pass rush, very creative and inventive, uh, but they're also going to have to find a way to run the ball. They're going to have to do the same thing. They don't want to stand back there in third and 13 against the Eagles front all day long. Uh, the Eagles probably have the best pair of cornerbacks going right now. And so that's going to, that might increase the importance of, of receivers who don't play wide receiver, tight ends, running backs, you're going to have to get a little creative offensively against that Eagles defense. I just think that it's, it's uh, overly limiting and too simplistic to say it comes down to um, what the Cowboys defense can do against the Eagles offense. I think, I think that line of scrimmage on both sides is going to be where this game is settled as most of them are. Finally here. Michael Parsons with some comments about, and, and by the way, they weren't off base in the fact that that's how I think a lot of national people and other people looked at when you see what Jalen has done and you look at career years, AJ Brown's having a career year, the running back, Miles Sanders is having a career year, five, two, a carry. There's guys all Dallas Goddard before he got hurt was having a career year. Everybody down yeah. the line let guys me, on defense. Let, the whole team. let me, let me stop you right there. How about Lane Johnson? I, I think he's the best. I think he's the second best tackle next to Trent Williams in the NFL. So what are they without him? Uh, that would be a problem, totally. Yeah, what if, why is Lane Johnson not the MVP? Because we don't think that way. Because people don't think that way. It's a stat award. That's yeah. kind of what it is. Not yeah. an importance award. Because you and I know this. The most valuable person to a team is usually your MVP. But in today's NFL, if you throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns, that supersedes importance like a guy like Lane. It's like, the, it's like the Heisman Trophy, Dan, and I vote for the Heisman Trophy. When did that become a quarterback award? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, how is the most – I will tell you right now that the guy who got my number one vote for the Heisman Trophy last year – now I might have voted differently if I'd waited one more week. But the guy who got my first place vote – is the first draft choice of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a nose tackle. Huh? 
I thought Jordan Davis was the best player in college football that I saw. You voted for year. Jordan Davis for the I Heisman? Did. I That's did. Fantastic, Brad. I did because the guy because the award says the most outstanding player. It doesn't say the best quarterback. It doesn't say the guy with the most. Now, Bryce Young's a great player. I have no issues with him being the Heisman Trophy winner. He earned it. But he's not the only one who played well enough to have earned it. And before the championship game, uh, where I thought he was next level, um, to me, when every time I watched Georgia, every time I watched whatever I could watch, Jordan Davis was dominating. He was a game-changing player. So why is the Heisman Trophy always the best quarterback or the one with the most dead? Why is the MVP race down to why, – why, why is Joey Bosa being talked about as the defensive MVP? Why is he not in the race for MVP? You know, why, why – uh, how about George Kittle, what he does for their team? I mean, it's just not all about the best quarterback, which kind of gets back to the question you're asking me because uh, <laughs> Micah Parsons, who has something of a vested interest because he thinks of himself as a guy yeah. who can qualify for MVP. I don't think Micah is the – if I had an MVP vote in the NFL, which I don't, I would not vote for Micah for the number one pick as MVP this year. And I don't think Hertz is a bad pick because of the, the multifaceted way he affects their offense. It's not just, it's what Justin Fields is doing in Chicago. It's not just that he has statistics. He is so good that he literally changes the way defenses play. And so that's why I would not quibble with Hertz as the MVP, and look at their record. Micah's point, I think, was, is it is he that good because he's that good or because their team is great? They've got the best offensive line in the league. They You talked about Brown and Sanders and Goddard. And it's a good I, team. I, I get it. There's a, it, it, it's a great – conversation brad i'm gonna sneak one last one in here on you and you can shut me down as quick as possible on this one if you don't subscribe to this just please do it you know my relationship with both jerry and steven and all the people there with the cowboy front office i i, I love all those folks and i've known them 20 years i don't i don't mean to quantify my question because you know i'm setting you up here um but is this an ego thing for 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 Jerry in a way that you know Jerry hasn't won in the last 27 years since Jimmy left you know and it's like to me the Belichick and Brady thing who was more important in the whole dynasty thing I mean Brady goes to Tampa I think he wins the divorce there I mean is there because you see there's still some sort of underlying now they're friends on the on top of the layer here but underneath there's still that competitive edge with both of them, that goes back to Arkansas. And I'm saying, you know, I mean, Jerry wants to win a Super Bowl so bad and show I did it without Jimmy. You think that is something that's there? Is that a thing? Sure. So what? Okay. No, no. I mean, 
Yeah, yeah, of course it is. I just wish both guys could right. admit that. <laughs> by the way, yeah, by the way, Jimmy's ego about it is just as big as Jerry's. And by yes. the way, you mentioned Belichick. You think Belichick enjoys watching Brady win a Super Bowl and no, no. I mean, there's there's ego everywhere. Every every general manager who picks a coach and heads a draft took over a a, a a struggling franchise and all those general managers have egos. Every head coach has an ego. Yeah. It's all ego. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, no, I just, those two guys, I just, you know what I had Jimmy on yesterday and I yeah. just, you know, I just, you know, that thing, I just, it, what could have really been something so, but it, it was, was special, but it was, they won, it was, they, they won uh, two Super Bowls. And they went to another championship game and they resurrected a franchise. Might they have done more? Yeah, they might have done more. But Dan, Jimmy Johnson, to this day, has never held a full-time permanent job longer than five years True. anywhere in his life. Even Miami. In his life. Yep. Right? He, yeah. Uh, the university or yep. the Dolphins. Yep. It was time. Jimmy was flirting with the Jacksonville people before they got their franchise papers. That's what precipitated. It wasn't the even the night in Orlando huh. when the dam broke. It wasn't the owners meeting in Orlando. That's when the dam broke. Okay. That wasn't the first thing. That I mean, when a relationship goes bad, it doesn't go bad because one thing happens one day. Jimmy started flirting with Jacksonville before they had a franchise, before his five years was up, because his mental clock was ticking. Yep, it's true. It was just his pattern. Oklahoma State, the University of Miami, the Cowboys, the Dolphins. The job at Fox is not a full-time job. He comes and goes as he pleases. <laughs> He's never had a full-time job. And I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying that's his history. Do you count Bridge as a full-time gig? <laughs> no, I don't. So, I mean, to me, that's to me, that's where it, when Jimmy, as I hear it, Jimmy's biggest complaint is that Jerry wanted more credit, and that's probably true. You know, but he did say to me, Brad. He went. He did say this. He goes. You know, my biggest mistake was not allowing Jerry to play with his toy more and to be more around it and me not be so protective of it. And he said that was probably his biggest mistake. And he's admitted that to me. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy has changed. I, I saw it in him. I, I'm not super close to him, but I was around him a lot, obviously for five years after he left here when his when he lost his mother i thought that his his whole perspective on life changed did people who have lost parents understand that yeah and uh, and and so he's not the same guy that he was then but he was the guy that he was then and so there's huge ego for both of them involved in it and for the rest of us frankly it's a little boring it's a little <laughs> tiresome that's your, you know what? Y'all go do whatever you're going to do. That's your thing. You know, I've got, I, I'm, I don't have enough time left to worry about what y'all's thing is. 
So uh, I, Brad's I, worried about Eagles and Cowboys on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to figure out who's going to play linebacker, and and I'm trying to figure out if the game means anything. I'm trying to get inside the heads of the players. You know, the Eagles hate the Cowboys. It's bragging rights, isn't it, though, Brad? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Of course it is. Now, when the when that's done, that but that's the that's the most fascinating part of it. It's the psychological aspect. Yeah. If the Eagles, you know, I believe it was 09, you can check me, the Cowboys beat the Eagles three times. They had to beat them uh, at the end of the year to get in the play or to win the division, knowing that the, it meant that they'd play the Eagles the next week, and they beat them again. So now they didn't win Super Bowl, but, it, but it's absolutely bragging rights because that you're going to see them twice next year, same guys. It's the – it's the division. There's a that stuff about division games. It's really rich. It's really rich in the NFL. So sure, it's bragging rights. And because there are three weeks left to play after this game, two weeks after this game, two yeah. after this game, um, both teams, Dan, are in the process of setting up for the playoffs now. Yes, they want to win this game, absolutely, and then they want to win the next game. But they are in the process now of putting their teams in the best physical, mental, and emotional place to succeed in the playoffs because they know they're in it. In Detroit, Dan Campbell's trying to win this week because he might not be in the playoffs if he can't win this week. The same thing for the Jets and the, you know, all of the teams that are hanging on the end. That's not true of either of these teams. So you think Dallas may like not show their full hand this week? Well, they're going to, no, I think they want very much to win. They want to get to 11 games. Um, no, I think they will, I think they will show their full hand, but I don't know if they'll run every play in the playbook. Huh. I don't think they're going to hold back intentionally. They want to do what's necessary to win the game. But trust me, they are thinking, as are the Eagles. Trust me, they are thinking about, they are talking and having conversations about if we do this, if we're in a position, if the game goes in such a way that we can do these three things, and it means then that we are less likely to be able to do them if we play them again, what's the impact of that? And how will we handle it down the road? Hey, Brad, you know, Baird Brooks, who's on our network, said kind of this about Jalen. I don't know if the Eagles would have really played him fully in this game on Saturday, even if he was healthy, because they may see them again in the postseason. And I'm going like, now what you're saying, you think that maybe he got banged up in this game and he's not as hurt and this gives them an avenue? I would never say that. And rest him and put Minshew in there? And I, I would never say that. And okay. I think because there is a real rivalry that yes. they would play him. Absolutely. I mean, you you might talk about that kind of stuff, as you well know, going into a final game of the year. You, I, I think it's really dangerous to do it with three games left. You play your people, especially against your big rivals. And they haven't wrapped up the number one seed yet Correct. mathematically. So they do have quite a bit to play. I mean, I said before, they're not going to lose the seed, and I believe that because I look at the other – teams who can catch them, which is basically Minnesota and I guess San Francisco. Yep. Can so like Minnesota would have to win out, which they could do, and the Eagles would have to lose out, which I doubt very much will happen. But the Eagles would like to wrap that up. 
So they, I think if Hertz were able to play without being put into jeopardy of down the road, that he would play. If he's really got a separated shoulder, why would you be playing him now? You got, you're in the playoffs and you're probably going to be the number one seed. Why would you put him at, at greater risk? They're smarter than that. Completely agree. It's going to be a great rivalry game on Saturday, Christmas Eve, as it always is with Eagles and Cowboys. 44 years on the call for the Cowboys. Our dear friend, Brad Sham. Brad, Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Merry and Christmas, happy man. holidays to you, too. I appreciate it very much. You Thank you Thank very you. Much. Always good to see it. You bet. Brad Sham. Interesting. He's got kind of the same kind of take. Joaquin, 49ers defenses have faced nine teams ranked 16th in scoring offense. No wonder their defense is number one overall. Yeah, they've, they're a better defense, in my opinion, but not by a lot than the Eagles. Okay, I got to take a timeout. A lot of stuff to unpack there. Even Brad said both teams might not show their hands on Christmas Eve. Would you rest the Eagle players? In this game on Christmas Eve, plus we have week 16 of the National Football League. I want to hit on that. Very interesting stuff with our friend Brad Sham. Hit the like button. Hour three. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles 
Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Big Finish Sales Event. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Um, I was stunned to hear Brad Sham, who votes on the Heisman Trophy, say that he voted for Jordan Davis. Quite a compliment. That's quite a compliment. The big DT for Georgia and now the Eagles got Brad Sham's vote for the Heisman Trophy. That's pretty cool, man. You know, Brad's the second guy. I, I, I've heard Barrett Brooks on Sports Take. Also say, and I, I'm with Rob and D Gunn on this one. I I do not, I do not believe they'd have held Jalen out of this game. But now I'm starting to think, would they have like, hey, is this is this a is this a way to take Jalen out of this game and not play him this weekend? Because you don't want to show the Cowboys anything you're probably going to have to play him again in the postseason. Is this strategy? Hey, how about this? I think Jalen Hurts is hurt. But to what extent now? I'm not sure. I thought it was more significant. But is this strategy? Is this now a strategy? Barrett even said it. Hey, I'm not sure they'd have played him. A whole ton in this game on Saturday anyway. And I'm like, see, to me, the only reason why I don't buy that is because the Dallas Cowboys losing last week wasn't the big deal. It was the Vikings' comeback. If the Vikings had lost, home field was wrapped up. Jalen ain't playing maybe in that game on Saturday. Mitch, you can put a Cooper Rush-type run together. Sit anyone with an injury just like preseason. Hey, I'm, I'm asking you guys, do you think they're doing this strategy-wise? And this gives them like um, an off-ramp not to play Jalen this weekend and rest them up and get them more healthy? 
he's got to be worn down a little bit. He got beat up pretty significantly, I think, in the Chicago game. But like everyone said, and to some of you guys' point, he was throwing dimes in the second half and in the fourth quarter. He was still throwing them over the shoulder passes. You think this is a strategy? Would you put this beneath the Eagles to have this as a strategy? Dude, they're complete thinking on preseason kind of has to put this into context here. Hey, they believe in health. I agree, W2. I think Chicago punished him. He still played admirably. And to me, that was a signature game for him. Man, he played his ass off in a tough situation, in tough environment, couldn't feel his hands, got beat up. Is this a strategy? Are they making – watch this. Are the Eagles making more out of this injury so they don't have to play him Saturday? See, my question would be, would Jalen go for that? By the way, makes total sense too. Hey, Jalen, this may cost you the MVP, but win you the Super Bowl. No, I, hey, 85, Jalen got hurt on that run in the end zone versus Jacksonville. You think it kind of got more accentuated in the Chicago game. Well, that's more reason to rest them then. Hey, hey I'm, ju- I'm just saying, Brad is the second guy because he wasn't talking about her. We never talked about Hertz's injury. He was talking about the Cowboys. I don't know if they're going to – hey, the Cowboys want to win, but they're not going to show their hand. So that means the Cowboys kind of want to win. Does that mean also the Eagles kind of want to win? How important is that to the Eagles? Again, Jalen, what's more important to you? I wonder if Jalen even said that. Again, I'm speculating here because this is now the third person that I respect has said it on a different angle. I heard Barrett Brooks say it on Sports Take, and I went, man, you telling me they wouldn't have played him in that Christmas Eve game? And I heard him again double down on it today. Now I'm hearing Brad go, well, I don't really know how much the Cowboys are going to show this weekend. They may sit some of their guys. I was like, wow. And that's a Cowboy perspective. Watch this. But but Hertz takes him takes himself out of the MVP race. Can I tell you something, Brian, that I'm starting to understand about Jalen Hurts? Can I tell you this? He's starting to remind me of Barry Sanders. And I'm talking about how Barry didn't give a shit about the all-time rushing record. Don't you guys remember? He was 1,500 yards away from Peyton. His final year in the NFL, he played 10 years. He had 1,500 yards his final season. Do you remember one year he played? Barry came out of the game because the Lions were killing somebody. He needed seven yards to pass Emmett for the single-season rushing title. He wouldn't go back in. That's not who Barry Sanders is. I played with Barry. Barry Sanders is that guy. Barry cared about winning. He didn't care about personal statistics. 
and it was an absolute fact, and it was on display every single time Barry Sanders stepped on a field. As much and as spectacular of a player Sanders was, the statistics of the game didn't matter. It was the win. You imagine how goat of a move that would be if Jalen took himself out of the MVP race for the success of the Eagles, making sure he was completely healthy going into the playoffs. That's a freaking goat move. Okay? That's a goat move. Dude, the respect you, I mean, hey, I'm a little banged up. Not sure we're going to go this week. I got bigger fish to fry than the Cowboys. Cowboys are beneath us. Wouldn't that also be a shot back at Dallas, Micah Parsons? Hey, we're going to kick your ass with our backup. You you know the psychological harm that you could do to the Cowboys with a Gardner Minshew win versus a Jalen Hurts win? Hurt? You put your backup in and beat the shit out of the Cowboys? Dude, that thing ain't going anywhere. And I still don't think they're going anywhere. You imagine if you put your dude in, you're, you, what would only be better is if you put Ian Book in. <laughs> you put Ian Book in and you win a game against the Cowboys in their barn. I'll tell you, if I walked that locker room and I saw Jerry Jones and not Howie Roseman in my lot, and I would be like, oh my God. I'd have my head down on Tuesday when I got my paycheck. To just throw away this Dallas game makes no sense. You can't assume we will beat the Saints and Giants. You clinch this. Is, you're, you're right, Eagle Truth. You're right. You're, you're, you're right. There are one game seasons, right? 17 times. There are one game seasons. You're, you're, you're dead on. You're dead on. Still trying to destroy the Cowboys with Ian Book. Why not, man? Dude, seriously. If I got, I, I, I'd go down like this when I got my paycheck on Tuesday. I'd have my head down. Jesus Christ. I don't know, man. But could this be? I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a strategy. But maybe Jalen isn't as hurt as people think he is. You know, and the, and the Eagles now have an off ramp. Well, we're not going to play him. We're going to we're going to play Gardner Minshew. Hey, Micah said they could win a ball game, and now they're going to prove it. Hey, Micah, you have a really good idea. We're going to put our backup in and kick your ass, dude. <clears throat> hey, that's like the guy when you're like fighting somebody like Conor McGregor, and somebody doesn't make weight for UFC. And they stick some nobody in and he knocks the guy out. And you're sitting there going, dude, this guy was on standby. He was on his way to the gym in Vegas. They said, hey, we need a fighter. And he knocks out the main event guy. <laughs> hey, boy, I mean, I'm telling you, do you know the dagger that would send into Dallas if you beat him with one of your backups? And it would be no dissing on Jalen. Gardner Minshew, man. Again, you know what Gardner Minshew is? Gardner Mitchell is a night watchman. You know, you hire a night watchman to watch over the team for a day or two. And when, you know, the president comes back, then 
you get your security detail back in place. You know, it's kind of like that. Gardner Minshew's a night watchman. He's okay. He could, you know, he he can he can watch the building for a night. I'm good with Gardner. You know what I'm saying? Minshew magic, baby. Hey, Micah, you were right. He kicked your ass too. So we got two quarterbacks that could blow your doors off. <laughs> hey, hey, maybe Dallas would like to hire Gardner Minshew. By the way, Gardner Minshew is a free agent at the end of this year. You know he's going to play his ass off. Maverick is going to play his ass off. He's going to come in with his with his Maverick glasses and his fighter pilot jacket on again. He's going to come in there like he's big Maverick. But this guy's going to go like this. I don't need ice as my wingman. I don't need that guy. Hey, ice, I fly alone. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, man, this guy's going to come in. You're going to hear like the song from Top Gun. This guy's going to be flying in between mountains and shit, chest bumping everybody. Him and Goddard are going to go nuts. You you beat that team with a backup, man. If I was Jerry Jones, I'd fire every guy in the building. Every guy in the building. But then the Cowboys would come out and go, yeah, we didn't play everybody. Now, one thing about what Brad said, too, about CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb has come on on as of late, but they completely miss Amari Cooper. They completely miss Amari Cooper. It is evident they miss Amari Cooper. Okay, I mean, their wide receiving court is not that hot. They don't have a number two. Hey, and the matchup, I here are the matchups in that game Saturday. I can't wait to watch. I want to see Diggs go against AJ. <laughs> I want to see that. I, I don't think Diggs can cover him. And I think he's going to shadow him. I don't think he can cover him. I, I, I think A.J. Brown is too physical for him. A.J. Brown is like Michael Irvin. I don't think he can cover him. I just do not believe he can cover him. I want to see Micah Parsons versus Lane Johnson. That's worth the price of admission. Do you know how great... And I think Brad brings up a great point about the importance of Lane. You imagine if that guy puts that guy's dick in the dirt again for another game. How iconic that's going to be for Lane. Dude. Lane's going to be able to walk out of the building and go, I kicked his ass at my place. I kicked his ass at his place. Homie. Hey, I own, by, by the way, you could sign over your pink slip because I own your ass this year. Lane Johnson, I think he's going to have a big game on him. I do. I want to see Miles Sanders versus that Cowboy defensive front, those two tackles. I think Miles is going to have a huge game. There's no way the Cowboys beat them on Saturday. I don't give a shit if you have Ron Jaworski quarterbacking today. I, I don't care. I there's no place. And, and and Brad goes, the Cowboys have played well. They're 10 and 4. Yeah, but how come every time I look at the Cowboys, they're laying an egg against Green Bay and Jacksonville, and they're so inconsistent. I think they've had an inconsistent year. But then again, I think everybody in the NFC's had a consistent inconsistent year except Philadelphia. 
except Philadelphia. Man. <laughs> hey, did you see the question about Odell Beckham? I think the Cowboys are not going to hire him now. Why would you sign him? I think this guy's got a bum wheel. I think Odell Beckham, when the Cowboys, from what I'm hearing, the Cowboys front office and their doctors recommended to Jerry that they don't sign him this year and they play him next year. Because now I think that's what Beckham and why Beckham, he was supposed to sign last week. And as we get closer to the Friday, if Odell Beckham is not active this week, when's he going to be active? For the conference championship games? When you go on IR, you're on IR four weeks. So you're going to play him in the conference championship game? And then in the Super Bowl, if you're fortunate enough to get there, and you're not even knowing if you're going to get there? Because you don't even know what the seating is right now. I wouldn't sign Odell Beckham. I would not sign him. I don't need him. As a matter of fact, I want him healthy. Guy's not healthy. I'm not going to give a guy a $5 million contract with incentives if the guy's got a bum wheel. Hey, Yale, I now believe that. I, Odell Beckham's not going to be a factor on any football team this year. I don't care where he signs. He's not healthy. There's even reports he's limping. Why would you sign a risk? Hey, it's one thing to sign an offensive tackle or DT that's got a small limp. It's one thing to sign a wideout that's got a limp. Hey, yeah, well, when you sign, what are you going to sign, Grand Hill? Like the Magic did? They signed Grand Hill on crutches. And they gave him $97 million in guarantee. You remember when he came down from Detroit and he went to the Magic? You know, he, he missed 76% of his games. And he got all $97 million. And the Magic never got out from under that. <laughs> then he goes to Phoenix and he's all NBA again. Magic got jobbed in that whole deal, man. $100 million worth of art he bought or some shit like that. I just, again, it, Brad, he just brings it up. You know, I mean, he's, the, he's like the second guy from a different perspective on whether Dallas is really going to even play this game hard on, on Saturday, on Christmas Eve. He's like, Dallas may not show their full hand. I'm like, what? It's a rivalry game. It's a bragging rights game. And, and, and Brad even said, I'm trying to get my head around what the importance of this game is. That's a guy who's been covering the Cowboys for 44 years. Sean goes, if the Eagles beat the Cowboys with Gardner Minshew, McCarthy's done. I don't know how they keep McCarthy. You know what, though, Sean? Sean, why would you fire Mike McCarthy? For who? Sean Payton don't want that job. You know why? He doesn't want to answer on game day situations and game day shit to Jerry Jones. He doesn't want to do that. He'd rather coach the Chargers, in my opinion, with just with Justin Herbert. Why wouldn't you want that gig? You could kind of push the Spanoses around. Sean Payton's going to be able to push the Spanoses and um, Tom Telesco around. He'll be able to push them dudes around. He's not going to push Jerry around. Jerry will push him out the door. Push him out a window. <laughs> he ain't letting anybody tell him ever again. 
I'm glad that what's his name also Brad Sham also admitted about the Eagle thing about Jerry wanting to win a Super Bowl without Jimmy. I do. All right. Week 16 of the NFL. Hey, last week in the NFL. Do you guys agree that may have been one of the best weekends for NFL football in a while? There were there were comebacks, there were storylines. That was such a great weekend for the NFL. Guys making a play for the MVP. Great stories like Detroit, Jacksonville. To me, Doug Peterson is putting up one whale of a story. You go from a guy and a coach who's completely not capable and qualified in Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson. You know what Doug Peterson is also showing you? You know what he's saying, Philly? Guess what? I was a good coach in Philadelphia. When all you guys hated me when I got hired, I went back and looked and read all the comments about Peterson being hired. You hated him. But that's okay. That's Philly. You didn't like Sirianni, too, when he was 2-4, and 2-5, and five, whatever. It's okay. I get it. I get it. You didn't know who he was. You didn't know who really Doug was. You knew he was Andy's boy. Okay? Doug now is showing he's a good coach. He's learned. I mean... Andy Reid's a better coach in Kansas City than he was in Philly. And I think it's because of the experiences he had in Philly. And he's carried him over. I think he's a better people coach with his quarterback. Now, I think there's a different dynamic. I think Patrick Mahomes, would we agree? Patrick Mahomes is more open to Andy's criticism than McNabb was. Do you agree? Every time I remember, and people like... um, Joe Jarevicius, I asked Joe Jarevicius about the relationship between McNabb and Andy Reid. And he told me, he told me that every time Andy Reid got in his ass, McNabb would pout. And McNabb would have an ass with it. And he'd roll his eyes or some shit. I don't think Mahomes does that. I think Mahomes is open to all criticism because it's constructive. I think it was constructive in Philly, too. But he had to handle McNabb differently in Philly because he knew that Donovan McNabb would have meltdowns. I think Mahomes, did you see that thing this year? When Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy on the sidelines, who got in the middle of it? The guy who got in the middle of it was Andy Reid. Easy, let's get in the locker room here. Remember, what's his name goes like this. Here, he took his headset off. He goes, here, you want to call the plays? Instead of saying yes, Andy Reid got in the middle of that. That's an experienced move because of how and what happened in Philly with McNabb. You know, you know what? Sully goes, Andy was stubborn himself. Somebody's got to be the adult, though, dude. Somebody's got to have the final say. You, you, you can't keep having a hundred different opinions because then you'll have no clarity in your building. Someone's got to be the guy. Someone's got to go. There's got to be a yes. See, for me in my life, I always want to go to the yes, no guy. I don't want to go to a committee. You know what I mean? 
I don't want to go to a committee. Nobody wants to run their team with a committee. You know what I mean? You, 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 you want to have a guy who's got the clarity in the building. You want to make sure that guy, and he's a better coach today, in my opinion. Week 16 NFL, let's take a look at this. Boy, there is a bucket of Saturday games for Christmas Eve. I, I, I thought there was only a handful of games. But there's more games on Saturday than on Christmas Day. Buffalo at Chicago. Justin Fields is showing me he's becoming something. He is. I like what they're doing with him in Chicago. If he can figure it out throwing the ball, Justin Fields is going to be a good football player. Atlanta at Baltimore. Here's the thing about dual threat again. Look at how many significant games. They could drop that game to Atlanta, my opinion, Ravens. Look how many significant games that Lamar Jackson's going to miss. He's going to miss again this week. Are you going to pay Lamar Jackson $250 million? I'm going to say it again to you guys. His gamble on what he did by passing up on that $250 million, in my opinion, I think he's failed. Since he at New England, very interesting ball game. Very interesting ball game. Can I ask you guys this? If you're Bob Kraft, and let's say New England doesn't make the playoffs, do you ask for Bill Belichick's resignation? Be four years since they won a playoff game if they don't make the postseason. Hang on, hang on for a second. And the Matt Patricia shit with the play calling, the idiotic play we saw on Sunday, that don't look like the Patriots. That doesn't look like the Patriots anymore. The discipline of coaching. I I mean... Don't you expect Bill to win? He hasn't had a decent receiver forever. Dez. They won Super Bowls with Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, Amendola, Deion Branch, a converted DB and Troy Brown. They've never had a wideout. They had Brady. I mean, when does it get to a point where Bob Kraft, is this really just about chasing Shula in the regular season record? It's got to be more than that, doesn't it? Since when does the standard go from not winning Super Bowls to just winning regular season shitty games? Right? I mean, when, 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 do, when, do, you, when do you go like this to Bill Belichick? Bill. Right? Bob Kraft's been a great owner. He stayed out of the way, and he's got in the way when he needed to. I think there's a conversation. If they don't make the playoffs, what has Bill done since Brady left? Letting Brady – I think Belichick should have retired when Brady left the building. 
should have just said, that's, you know, I'm done. Every game he coaches doesn't diminish, diminish his legacy. It just puts more questions on it. Got fired in Cleveland because he couldn't do the quarterback. Let Brady walk out the building. And they have been average to below average since Tom left. Now, it's, is it because, you know, when you're 22 years of winning, has to mean something, and it does to me. Okay? I think, okay, you want maybe one more year? See how it rolls? Fair enough. Detroit, Carolina. How about that, man? Dan Campbell gets his team. They beat Carolina. Carolina's playing a little bit better football. They get to eight and seven. That's insane. What a job Dan's done. Houston at Tennessee. Tennessee is in a nuclear meltdown right now. But still, Houston's Houston. New Orleans at Cleveland. I'll be watching this game for Deshaun Watson. I think he's going to do great things in Cleveland. What an interesting ball game. Giants at Minnesota. Boy, I'll tell you what, man. You talk about cardiac kids. The Minnesota Vikings, in my opinion. Holy shit, man. I mean, you don't know what to expect with them. So Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, I think he was the, what was he? I think he was the um, offensive player. So Kirk Cousins is the NFC Offensive Player of the Week for lighting his team on fire and putting out the fire. <laughs> yeah, okay. Throws for 400 yards in the second half. All right. I guess good game. Yale. That's a heart attack game. Vlad, I know he threw for 400 yards in the second half. I'm like, what? Seattle at Kansas City. Seattle's kind of coming back to earth a little bit here. Watch this. In this game here, I'll bet you Kansas City. Watch this. I, I, I bet Mahomes throws some picks in this game. If he has one of those games where he throws a couple picks and if Jalen doesn't play, you think there'll still be a cry? for people to give Mahomes the MVP award, even if he has three picks. I think he's going to throw picks in that Seattle game because Carroll knows how to he – he, he knows how to put a good defensive game plan together. That'll be an interesting game for Eagle fans to watch because you're going to watch Mahomes and see how he does. And if they gift wrap the MVP for him, okay, what if they lose? What if Seattle beats Kansas City at Arrowhead? And Jalen doesn't play. How can Mahomes move ahead of Jalen? You'd move Burrow ahead. You'd put Burrow ahead if he beats New England in New England. Those are the games for the MVP. Burrow versus the pay. What if Burrow loses to New England? And Mahomes loses to Seattle. And Jalen doesn't play. What would the MVP conversation be on Monday? Hertz is now the number one guy? Or because he didn't play, he gets penalized because he didn't play. I don't think he should be penalized if he didn't play. I think the other guy should be penalized more for losing, especially in a stretch run. Remember, Kansas City is in a run right now with Buffalo for the number one seed. Kansas City can't lose. They got to keep winning because the tiebreaker goes to Buffalo. 
They beat him this year. Allen's already beaten Mahomes. Interesting. Those Keep an eye on that. Cincinnati at New England and Seattle at Kansas City. That's MVP kind of stuff. You got your two. And, and, and where's Buffalo? Buffalo's at Chicago. Just to keep an eye on Allen, I think Allen's too far away from the other three guys. Okay? Burrow's not better than Jalen. Yes, he is. If I'm paying $50 million for a quarterback and it's Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow, come on, dog. Washington at San Francisco, another huge game. Huge game. And Brock Purdy, keep an eye on that. Las Vegas at Pittsburgh. Raiders versus Pittsburgh. One more thing here about Franco Harris. <laughs> Raiders and Steelers. You couldn't have a greater rivalry back in the day. One of my favorite players was Jack Tatum. And I know George Atkinson and Tatum. And of course, my I worked for the Raiders for three years. I worked for the Raiders for three years on their broadcast team. And I became very close to all those guys. And let me tell you something, man. Do you remember what they called the Raider guys, the Steelers and Chuck Noll? They called the Raiders the criminal element of professional sports when they mugged Lynn Swan. That game used to, used to have some of the most criminal hits going to the head. I mean, leg chopping. That was my favorite rivalry. Raiders and Steelers. Man, you had really great players. And it was a death match. Those two teams and the Immaculate Reception, which is 50 years old on Friday. And they're going to retire Franco Harris's number on Saturday, number 32. What a legendary football player. And what a legendary human being Franco is i mean he is just a super person if you got a chance to ever shake a palm you he leaves you know there's certain people that leave lasting impressions when you meet them and you never forget it okay like when i met ronald reagan and when you meet guys like that okay and you 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 shake a hand and you, you just there's an impression that certain people leave on your life fred Belitnikoff, man Shoot, man. I mean, they had so many. And, dude, check it out. The entire left side of the Raiders went to the Hall of Fame. Otto, Upshaw, and Shell. All three of them guys on the Raider old lines are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You had three dudes on the old line, and Henry Lawrence was a hell of a player himself. Dude, that's that Raider old line. You had three Hall of Fame players in the old line during the era of the Steelers, Vikings, Cowboys, Dolphins. Man, when I was a kid growing up, I thought that that was the best football of all time. They didn't have the same skill that the guys have today, but those guys were it, – it, it was really rough football. Those teams, it was rough football. It, it, I think and – and I've said this a million times. I always said it, and I'll say it again. I think it's the golden age of pro football. 
Thursday night, Jacksonville, New York Jets. So Doug wins this game on Thursday. They're seven and eight to Jags. Dude, Doug Peterson is making a run to be the coach of the year. Sunday games, Christmas Day, Green Bay at Miami. Green Bay still, Green Bay still got a shot. They got to win out. Okay, they got to win out. I think they're six and eight now. And I think Aaron Rodgers going down to Miami, I think he could beat that team. I think the Packers, the Packers are playing better. I think the Packers can win that game. And then you got a seven and eight team. And then this is something else. You, the Packers in the postseason, I don't know. Again, Rodgers and Brady in the postseason are capable of winning on any playoff day. That's one thing you got to keep in mind. Hey, he's not shot. Let me see how many interceptions he has. Here, here's a down year for Aaron Rodgers, okay? And I, and I do think he's had a down year. Aaron Rodgers stats, 2022. I, and I, hey, here, here's his stats. So here's a down year for Rodgers. 92 quarterback rating, 24 touchdowns with 10 picks. You want to hear something crazy? Aaron Rodgers has thrown more picks this year than he has in the last two years combined. And he's got 3,100 yards. That's a bad year for him. That's a career year for some. This guy's got more, he's got more touchdown throws than Jalen Hurts. And he's got a bad year going here. That shows you the level and what he's put himself on. Denver at the Rams. Rams have to be the biggest disgrace of all time. Hey, here's something else too. I brought this up yesterday. How in the world is Aaron Donald in the Pro Bowl over Javon Hardgrave? Has anyone seen the rest of the list yet for the Pro Bowlers? And why do the Rams... Get a heads up that Donald has made a pro. He's on IR. He's on IR. He made the Pro Bowl. And Hardgrave's got 10 sacks from the defensive tackle position. Dude, if that guy is the starting DT over Javon Hardgrave, that's really awful. There's really a misjustice there with that. Buccaneers at Arizona. Bucks got to win, man. The Bucks got to win. Hardgrave's having a great year. He really is. By the way, I'll tell you what, Yale. I'm more in line right now to pay him $14 million. Hardgrave. I might pay him the $14 million. I'm not going to give him the Supermax and give him the franchise tag money, which I think is seventeen five or something like that, according to the Player Association for next year. But I'll give him four. He's making 12 9 now. I might up that to 15 million, 14 million. He, he's, he's good, man. He is good. And by the way, I'd, I don't know if I'd bring Joseph back, but I would bring Sue back. Then on Monday night, you've got Chargers and the nuclear meltdown Colts. Chargers got to win, too. I think Brandon Staley 
has to win to keep his job. All right. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio. Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero Down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Starting on Monday night versus the Chargers. 
I've always liked Foles. And I'll tell you, I think he's got shitty coach in the last couple of years. Doug Marone in Jacksonville. And Matt Maggie in Chicago. And now he's going to the Colts, and now he's got an analyst as his head coach. This guy's gone to shit shows everywhere, except Philly. The only place where he's actually had success in good coaching has been Philadelphia. He's got shit coaching the rest of his time in the NFL. Okay, I mean, he's got some of the worst coaches. And some of the, you know, some guys, you know, to me, I, I always wonder what would have happened if the Eagles had kept him and moved Wentz. As we see now, what would have been the better move? I think I would have rolled the dice with Foles more than Wentz. You know, you know what it's always hard to do for an analyst? And, and, and by the way, Howie, Howie was never not going to keep Carson Wentz. You know why? It's number one pick, and they gave him the money. Imagine that. That's what forced them to move Foles, was not his accomplishments and the things he did playing ball for them. It was the money and the business decision on drafting him number one. Okay? And they had, they had to. But see, when you say you ha- no, you didn't have to. The coach should have had the autonomy to go like this. Now nah, I'm keeping Nick. You know, funny, I tell folks this. This is why the Chargers never go anywhere. Marty Schottenheimer was 14 and 2 with the Chargers. He was 14 and 2. And he had to battle with AJ Smith, the general manager of the Chargers. Him and him and Marty went back. You know, Marty Schottenheimer has more wins than Chuck Knoll. He's got 206 wins. He's 4-14 four and 14 in the postseason because Marty used to overcoach himself and overprepare and do the dumbest shit on the planet. Never made sense. Never made sense. My cousin played for him in Cleveland. Never made sense. This guy's got 206. I think in his 25 years, he's only had like one losing season. But the decision came because A.J. wanted to trade Drew Brees. A.J. Smith, the general manager then of the Chargers, who since passed on. Also, Marty has too, by the way. Love Marty Schottenheimer. But Marty was like, no, I want to keep Brees. You can move Rivers. They had just drafted Rivers. And Brees was a late-round pick. And Marty goes, Brees is better. A.J. goes, no, we drafted him in the first round. Rivers was a good player. But who's better? Breeze is better. But Breeze was not as talented. So they play him in a shitty final game against Marty's wishes. And the Broncos break his shoulder. Marty Schottenheimer got into the biggest argument. He got fired. And he was 14-2. and 14-2. Fourteen and two. They fired him because GM got in the way. The head coach goes, Breeze is better. You imagine if Drew Breeze had stayed in San Diego, there still might be a franchise there. They don't want a Super Bowl. You imagine that? Or if they had good management, Eli might have played. But Archie Manning knew. He was right. 
Manning knew not to go to the Chargers. So when you look at Justin Herbert, you think he's in line to have any success with the ownership that they have there with the Spanos family? Because you know why? They rely on the GM more than the head coach. Tom Telesco's got the power in that building. And most of the times when the general manager has that kind of power, it's meddling and it gets broken up and it gets built up. It gets broken up, it gets built up. It gets broken up and built up. Because the general managers don't have the patience head coaches do. Coaches have to have patience in developing players. General managers don't have patience. They have egos. We all saw Jalen Rager was never going to be a ball player in Philadelphia. But that guy still kept that, stu- that, that, that tool around until the very end. He kept that guy. Have you watched him too in Minnesota? You see the coaches bitching at him for the same shit we talked about. He want, runs the worst routes I've ever seen. That guy does not belong in the league. He's not even a special teams guy. He's not. He's terrible. The routes he runs, dude, how did he play? They were bitching at him on the sidelines for some of those shitty round-off bell routes he runs. That's what he did in Philly. You could tell Devontae Smith runs spectacular routes. He, he, he runs spectacular routes. I'll tell you what. Devontae Smith, besides his gifted talents, is a student of the game, too. You could tell if it's an 11-yard in or if it's a seam route or a slant. He runs it to the T. The guys in Cleveland, when they were watching him run pass routes, the first thing they called me and told me, I, I, like I told you, I got a bunch of friends inside the Browns organization. They were like this. That kid, Smith, can run routes. He'll run, a, he'll run a DB off the page. He is smooth. Brian, that guy runs as good a route as you can. And you know what, too? He's that quick twitch guy. That's what Cooper Cup has. Cooper Cup has that quick twitch, and he runs precise routes. And he's bigger than you think. I stood next to Cooper Cup. He's a bigger guy than you think. Smitty needs to get a little more weight on him. Needs to eat a couple more White Castle burgers. Okay. He 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 is he he is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic in how he does this. Now look, man. The, uh, uh, hey, look. They're waiting for the swelling to get down, but I'm there's a part of me now that's starting to believe. Why would the Eagles play him Saturday? Why would the Eagles play him? How much does that MVP award mean? I wonder if Jalen said something to them. Hey, look, I'm good with anything you guys do. If you guys don't want me to play, I won't play. I want to play. Okay, you can't keep every decision in Jalen's hands. You give him the decision to run on the field. Now you're going to give him the decision to play or not. You can't do that. Someone's got to be in the room to go, you know. And and look, I, I, I don't think you'll have any less of an energy in the building. I actually think you'll have more energy in the building.
because other guys are going to want to step their game up even more so and even be more – you might get more of a laser-focused team having Minshew play. I don't think the, I don't think the Eagles are going to miss a beat. Hey, watch this. Who do you think is a better backup, Gardner Minshew or Cooper Rush? I think the Eagles beat them there too. How great would it be also to knock Dak out? Some of you are going, damn, Sills, wishing for injuries? No. Wishing for hard play. And if hard play results in that cleanly, it's game, dog. It's a collision sport. What, do you think people don't get hurt in this bitch? Look at your boy in Philly. I hate that snowflake mentality. It ain't wishing anything. I'm wishing for hard play. Hard play. Nothing cheap. Nothing to injure somebody personally forever and career. No, nothing like that. Bro, you take Dak out, knock his ass out. I'm sorry. Who's your backup quarterback? Cooper Rush? I want to see him. I'd be barking that too. Here's my Christmas wish on Christmas Eve that I get to see Cooper Rush by the end of the game. I'd be barking that. Hey, I want to see your backup quarterback. Your backup quarterback's going to get reps. Why? Because I'm going to come for your guy. He's standing around the pile. I'm going to hit him. He throws the ball. I'm going to hit him. He takes off running. I'm clearly going to kill him. I'm going to go after that guy as much as I can. You know, Jimmy said, you know, you were right there on the edge. I want my football team playing on the edge on Christmas Eve. I want dudes on the edge. If I, if I coach a college football team, I'd recruit 100 guys like me. I want all my guys on a leash. And when it's time to eat, Jerome, Winston Moss, Michael Irvin, Warren Sapp, Cortez Kennedy, Russell Maryland, I'm going to take the dog collar off and I'm going to go get you. You're going to think they let the pound loose. Ain't nobody going to be standing. That's how we looked at it. Hey, don't you think it's odd? Jimmy recruited all them kind of guys. That's how the Cowboy players played when they were in Dallas too. That's how you want to, you want a whole roster of that guy. Yeah. Let me let Hassan. Hassan's been eating too, dog. Hey, by the way, what a feather in his cap. Kudos to him, man, and I was wrong. He, he's, he's, he's done a hell of a job. He's getting after quarterbacks, man. He, he's getting after people. I'd rather have Hassan Reddick as a pass rusher on my team than Michael Parsons. That's crazy to say. I never thought I'd ever say that. Guy on his third team. I thought I never would say that. But he, he's done it, dude. He totally has. Getting closer to Christmas. By the way, rest in peace, Franco. Um, I can't wait for this weekend. And that doesn't diminish it in any way whatsoever. Whether, whether Jalen plays or Minshew plays. It's Cowboys-Eagles, dog. All right. God bless everybody. Get your Christmas shopping done. Tell someone you love them. Thank you so much for coming aboard. Xander, great stuff. Tone, great stuff as always. Till tomorrow, 3 to 6 Eastern.
We'll see you on the flip side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.